Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. And we're just a bunch of Hoopleheads. <laughs> and on today's program, we're going to be talking about two pretty... Well, I guess you could call it sensitive topics. The criminal justice system and organized religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, are, and, those two are up there, for sure. Yep. Are we going to offend some people today? <laughs> we might... Uh, if we do, I don't want to hear about it. Just turn it off the podcast. I mean, first of all, you should know by now what you're listening to and who we are. Yeah. And if you don't, and this is where you have found yourselves for some reason, uh, you don't like it, you just turn it off. I don't need an email about it. Yank out your headphones, throw your phone in the bonfire, and watch it burn. <laughs> Why would you be listening to a podcast around the bonfire? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge you if you do. To each his own. Come That's on. Right. Oh. That's right. Okay, throw throw That's the throw your phone out the window of your moving car onto the freeway. <laughs> That's with littering, though. Oh crap! <laughs> you can't win. You can't yeah, win. Yeah, I think you should just leave. Just it. keep your phone. Turn off your podcast. Oh, that's yeah. much better. <laughs> yeah. And then walk into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> you can litter the sea with your body instead. <laughs> Well, you are biodegradable. Yes. Leave all plastic on the shore. Yeah, your clothes might be plastic, though, so mm. get naked, then hop into the sea. Yeah. <laughs> but then you've littered on the beach. Uh, yeah, put the clothes in the garden. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there is no end. I guess you just have to keep no listening. End. This is just a bit that's just perpetual. It, yeah. it will not stop. Okay. Uh, until I make it stop, and as the host, I have the power to do that. I was looking earlier this morning for some network news. Couldn't really find anything. Not much is happening out there. HBO's been canceled? I will mention one show that got renewed that I've been watching and quite enjoying. It's called Hacks. Has anyone heard of that? Nope. Has it come up on anyone's radar? It was just nope. renewed for a second season at HBO Max. The first season debuted on June 10th, and it followed Gene Smart as a veteran Las Vegas comedian and yep. the dark mentorship she forms with an outcast 25-year-old comedy writer, played by Hannah Enbinder. This is quite an enjoyable show. It takes place mostly in Las Vegas, and Gene Smart, who has done so, so much good work recently, she was in the second season of Fargo, she played the matriarch. Uh, oh, Yeah! What else has she been in? She's been in a lot recently. Oh, yeah, she was just on uh, Mayor of Easttown. She played Kate Winslet's mother. 20 episodes of Legion and Watchmen. Yeah, I've been seeing her on, like, the news feeds a lot. So in this, yeah, she plays a... It would be unfair to call her an aging Las Vegas comedian, but certainly the, the pilot episode begins with her being bumped from the prime lineup and theater at her sort of home resident home uh hotel in las vegas Mm. she just doesn't draw the young crowds and her material is dated and kind of hacky hence the title and she ends up working reluctantly with a reluctant writer who can't get a gig in la this millennial who has burned some bridges, and they're thrust together, and they have to figure out uh, how to work together and improve each other's lives. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. 
I've seen four episodes, I think, of the first season. I have to say, if I hope they get a bigger budget for the second season, and they do something about the awful CGI traffic shots that they have. There's <laughs> one scene where they board a tour bus in Las Vegas, and it's all in front of a green screen, and it mm. is the worst background traffic stuff I've, I, I probably have ever seen. It's worse than the raft scenes in uh, season four of Outlander. <laughs> those are pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, that was renewed, and I look forward to uh, seeing more of it. Do these two characters bang? They do not bang. Oh. <laughs> Why? Would you only have checked it out if they banged? Yeah. <laughs> the young girl, Ava, is queer, but Deborah Vance, the main character, is not. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to mention is another comedy... Reese Darby, who I best know as Murray from Flight of the Concords, will be the lead of a new HBO Max comedy called Our Flag Means Death. It is loosely based on the real life of Steed Bonnet, a well-to-do gentleman farmer and child of wealth in the 18th century who suffers a midlife crisis and becomes captain of the pirate ship The Revenge. Um, That sounds amazing. I'm all about a pirate comedy. So, <laughs> Are you going to be watching that? I'm definitely going to watch that. Oh man, I kind of want to watch that too. I love Reese Darby and He's great. <laughs> pirate comedy. I mean, it sounds great. Yeah. Our flag means death. I don't know when that's going to come <laughs> out, but they're casting it right now and it'll go into production soon. So. to uh, our first program we'll be talking about the night of program program the <laughs> premiere episode is called the beach it premiered july 10th 2016 teleplay by richard price directed by steven zalian it's an eight-part miniseries based on a 2008 british series called criminal justice and i got a few more fun facts but first someone's gonna have to summarize the Plot of the first episode in 60 seconds. Why do I always forget about this? I know. Going over or ridiculously under. If only Matt would forget about it. It's traumatic, so I keep keep forgetting about it. You keep refreshing it. it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't forget. I've been dreading it. Mm. Mmm. It's Carol.
I knew it was going to be me. I knew it. My time has come because it's been a while. Well, there you go. Yeah, I feel like it's always been me lately. Yeah, it has. It usually is you. It's gonna be. It's gonna be you next time, though. No, I knew it was gonna come up with me sooner or later. All right. All right. Um, so you've got uh, sixty seconds to summarize as much as you can from the first episode without going over a minute. But if you go ridiculously under, you're a chump. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I'm gonna start now. Go. All right. So you've got this innocent young Pakistani guy, great student. Um, you know right from the beginning that he's going to be screwed over in this episode and in this series. He is—he uh, wants to go to a party. He doesn't have a ride. He borrows his father's cab, which is just, oh, God. Um, it's just torture watching this happen. So he, uh, he meets this girl, does, uh, takes drugs with the girl, still is driving, goes home with the girl, uh, has sex with, you know, um, stupid blood games with a knife that you know is going to kill her by, you know, the end. He falls asleep uh, after taking a bunch of drugs and alcohol and wakes up with her dead. And from then on, it's just him getting caught uh, and being accused of uh, killing the girl. The end. 58 seconds. Well done. It's been a long time since we've had a win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was easy to sum up the, the last, like, three quarters of the episode it's just like the long drive until he's eventually caught <laughs> it's like right yeah. i don't know if they did that like just for tension's sake or like we could have saved a lot of time if they just caught him right away <laughs> like if that was going to be the outcome <laughs> that was probably the purpose though they probably just wanted you to care about him i guess but it, it was always going to be the outcome i think my yeah. third line here is basically uh this guy is going to be super screwed you know, it's like, it, uh, I, I really found this torturous, to be honest. <laughs> so, it's like, no one's watched you know, this before? I'm the only one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not based on a true story, I assume. No. But it could be. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's the kind of stuff that does happen. If it was based on a true story, what would be the, the explanation for her death? Well, I looked at Wikipedia to find out what it was, because I... Is it believable for real life, though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like it on Wikipedia. What did you think, Matt? Uh, I didn't... I just... Uh, I didn't really think too hard about what actually happened. <laughs> so, I don't know. I assume... I assume somebody else killed her <laughs> while yeah. he was out of it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what it said on Wikipedia. And, you know, it's, I don't know, there's all sorts of travesties of justice that, you know, you hear about. I mean, there's a ton of them just in New York that I could run down. And, and quite honestly, this whole thing, as it started, I was like, okay, I know what this story is going to be. And then it was a matter of, okay, so there's that piece of evidence. All right. So you've, you know, you've made it clear what that next piece of evidence is mm-hmm. going to be. You touched okay, the knife. <laughs> you touched the knife. She, when she 
went up the stairwell. She grabbed the newel post in such a way that it could be looked at as going down the stairwell. I don't know if that was going to be part of it, but, you know, that could definitely be it. But there was a close-up on her hand doing that. Uh, you know, and it's just like there's... And there's uh, footage from the perspective of various surveillance uh, cameras yeah. and things, like him going through the toll booth or yeah. at the convenience store. There's yeah. witnesses. This person's going to say he was there. Oh, I saw him do this. He came in. He yeah. bought this. He was with her here. Yeah. Just um, like everything was against him. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they wanted you to know that this kid was going to be accused of some crime. Mm. And as soon as the girl got in the cab, it's like, okay, she's going to die. <laughs> really? You knew that far back? Oh, yeah. Like, she's going to die? Oh, yeah. As soon as he agreed to drive her someplace, especially, then it was like, yep, I was right. She's going to die. And he's going to be accused of her murder. Mm. And then when the knife came out, it's like, okay, she's going to get stabbed. She's going to die with that knife. And all right, she's up. Oh, yep. His fingerprints are on it. Oh, now her blood is on it. And his fingerprints would be in her blood on the, on the table there. Okay. You know, he, he technically so, did stab her <laughs> at least once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, so it was just like, this is, so it was just, I mean, I know that they were building it up with the idea that you kind of knew all of this, but it was, I found a combination of boring and torturous. <laughs> Can I ask you something? What's your name? I didn't tell you. You don't want to know why? Does that happen to you a lot? What? Those guys out there. Now and then. Do you have a girlfriend? No. Are you? Would that turn you on? Now <laughs> <laughs> watch this. You do what everyone tells you to do. Isn't that what you said? You know what we did? We watched what it at double, do? double speed. Double speed. <laughs> because it was an hour and 20, and I was like, no, let's just watch this double speed. And, and I so I much right. of the first uh, half hour or so is really just him in the cab with her, and yeah. this sort of yeah, sexual tension, but it's it's more like they're both listless, or she's listless and w- yeah. and yeah, depressed and right. 
I was and still into it. He found it. Yeah, he he finds her alluring well, we in a way. We were seeing it in half time. We were watching it in the long drawn out version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I was into the story until it become a, became a police procedural. Of course, because you don't like police procedurals. Well, not usually. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't mind a well done police procedural. Um, but I didn't. I did enjoy how. Uh, hapless and disorganized they made, they made the police seem that <laughs> none of them knew what was happening when or what like and, they didn't communicate with each other. and also well i mean then that's probably realistic yeah because you know, that thing is happening like in the moment uh like these pieces of evidence are just being thrown at them like like every two minutes they're just getting something new and they're right, they all, and this. it's all different people that are getting different pieces of information so of course they'd be so confused who's that guy where is he supposed to be I wasn't aware of this. Nobody told me, but yeah. right? yeah. I was supposed to be out five hours ago. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I also really got frustrated with like them just being like, yeah, you're guilty, you're guilty. And it's like, whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? No, they're going to they're going to try and get him to admit he's guilty. I mean, it, that's there's so much posted evidence that just sort of falls in their laps right from the start, from yeah. two witnesses yeah. to the murder weapon. It's like, it's all right there things, in the, front of the them. It was incredibly stupid. And, he's incredibly you know, and well, I how much of he's not he's naive and and all. I mean, not stupid like you know, but he's he's naive and he's innocent and and he's and scared all of that. and he's scared and he's panicky. Like, he did a lot of stupid things because he was scared. He's just dangerously horny. <laughs> <laughs> because as Matt just pointed out, there was the the stupid stuff he did because he was scared and the stupid stuff he did because he was horny. And yeah. there's a, but but there's the third thing. There's the stupid stuff he did because he was probably still on drugs. He had drugs in the system. So That's at, when he wakes up and he runs out of the house and then has to break back into the house and then he grabs the murder weapon, you're like, this is unbelievably dumb. Yeah. yeah. But maybe he was still under the influence and not thinking yeah. rationally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely... You know, a lot of that you can definitely put down to a combination of under the influence, in shock. Right. Because, I mean, who wouldn't be in shock at that point? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of reasons why he did the stupid stuff he did. But at the same time, you know, he... It's like you're kind of... Or I don't know about you, but I found myself kind of ticking off the stupid stuff he was doing right from the moment he heard about the party. Is someone working on a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> no, that was... I'm sorry. I was trying very quiet. And boy, this microphone picks up everything. It sounded so much like a Rubik's Cube. I assumed it was the two of you eating chips again. Jeez, <laughs> oh, it was hardly anything. It's really, really quiet. <sighs> God. I don't, you know, I'm always like super careful about not making noise and all of this stuff, and and here I am. I anyway. love that she's working on a Rubik's cube. I think that is yeah, the perfect summation of what that sounded like—a little bit okay. of a clicking sound. Yes. You know what? You were right. That's what I was doing. I'll stop now. <laughs> yes, just just admit it, Carol. You're guilty. Yeah, I admit it. I'm Rubik's guilty. Cube. The evidence is all there. Yeah, the evidence is there. Your fingerprints are all over it. Put me away. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so, 
I mean, it was obvious that they wanted you to know what was going to happen. Right. So I don't think that this is much of a procedural in terms of gathering evidence and, and that sort of thing. It's more about the criminal justice system and what happens when an innocent person, or really anybody, but definitely an innocent, naive person, gets just like caught in its jaws and mm-hmm. how disorienting it all is. It's so foreign. The cops on the beat, they've seen it all before. They're all jaded. They, But to you, from the suburbs, with, with the married parents who are still together and, and you know, you're just a nice kid from a normal background, you don't even drink and you do everything right and then all of a sudden everything is new. And everyone's did, looking did, at like, you like you're yeah, a murderer. Yeah, he did like something wrong the first, like the first time he does, like he goes out of his element. Mm-hmm. That's when something like that happens. Right. You just said something that that made me remember something. You said a kid from the suburbs. Um, I did not see, and I meant to actually go back just to look and see what bridge it was he came across to get into Manhattan. Um, because I had assumed he was living in like Queens or Brooklyn or someplace, uh, probably Queens, Uh, which has some suburban areas. But at the same time, part of me was like, where the hell are you living in Queens that you can't catch a subway or a bus? Mm. I mean, oh, that's a good point. There is public transportation. New York City is amazing for public mm-hmm. transportation. And does run uh, all day long, all night long, twenty four oh, hours? Yeah. Okay. A lot of it. I mean, well, I don't know. If the bus is not so much, but the subways but definitely. The subways usually, you know, I mean, there are some that shut down, some lines that shut down, but. Um, you think maybe he's never taken the subway, or is that something Seems that likely as a New York? Yeah, how does he get to school? Taken, how is he getting to school? Yeah. I mean, I don't know where he was going. Whether he's going to Queens College or or I I missed I didn't see I didn't hmm. look for a clue at the beginning. Well, he said it was the Kings. I guess I could have looked up who the Kings basketball was if that's so, actually if, a yeah. That may not be a real thing. It might so not as, a, as a New Yorker, is it like pretty much standard rule that everybody in New York takes the subway regularly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like or the bus. It must be like a rare occasion where like people drive themselves around. Yeah, and, no, like not exclusively. So much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in in out in if you want to call it, well, the Queens, Queens and Brooklyn and stuff aren't suburbs. Well, I'm not an expert on New York City, even was, though this is the third no, podcast in a row we've done where there's a show set in New York City. So I, and I, I should be an I expert gonna, at this point, it's right? Okay. I was going to mention that. Like, why are the, all the shows recently all based out of New York? Like, I why? don't know. Yeah, there are other cities, <laughs> HBO. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. I, I actually, at the beginning, because I wasn't really thinking about it, I was like, oh, you know. I kind of assumed it was the city, and I was like, no, well, you know, what city is this? And then they, and I was like, oh, it, it is New York, okay. Because, like, Stanton Street, I'd never even heard of Stanton Street. It's interesting that they picked, you know, they picked a, a street that's really like, who the hell heard of Stanton Street in Manhattan? Well, maybe there's no tube stop, or whatever you New Yorkers call it, near Stanton so Street, far. and that's why he yeah. had to... Take, well, not even as by the way, not even his father's cab. They timeshare that cab with two other guys. And this becomes a major plot point because sure. the cab gets impounded because it's evidence. 
and the other two guys need that cab back because they don't have income. So the financial impact on not only Nazir's family, but these other other two men and their families just becomes like another facet to this tale. That that was as soon as he said my father shared first when he said about doing the cab because my old boyfriend also drove a cab. Uh, as so many young men do when they're putting themselves through college and stuff. Um, and actors do. So he drove a cab, and I know how much those medallions cost a bundle, and they're really hard to get. And the fact that he was borrowing his dad's cab was just like, I couldn't believe. And then when he said that he owned it with two other people, I was like, oh my God. God, this is going to destroy three families. And but it does. <laughs> I know. Nearly. That's what, that's what yeah. I didn't like about it. It's that it was just one of those things that by the end of the first episode, I was like, okay, I know exactly. They've got two choices to end this thing. Either he, you know, gets life in prison or the chair or whatever. There's no chair in, in New York. It's he'd have life in prison and they don't find the other guy. Or they find the other guy and everybody's lives are ruined. There's no other way for this to end. So part of me is like, I'm going to watch eight episodes of mm-hmm. this to, you know. Carol's Benefit, does it have a good ending? Well. Happy ending. Is there a happy ending? Is there... there is no possible happy ending in this. I, I know. So I'm going to get into sp- I'm going to get into spoilery territory here. So for the listener, uh, the one who's listening who hasn't seen all of this, uh, he does he goes to jail. Uh, I don't know if he's in jail simply jail or during. Prison. Is there a difference? Yeah, I think jail is just like the local jail, and okay, prison. Well, he's is in prison know. then. He's in he's in full on prison. Like it becomes Oz for a little while, <laughs> where uh, that's where Man. he meets Michael Kenneth Williams' character, um, Jockey White from Boardwalk Empire and Omar from The Wire, and he he's in prison. But he may be in prison only during the trial, and perhaps he doesn't get convicted, or maybe he does get convicted, and then he gets out on appeal, or perhaps the case gets he just gets released. I eventually he gets out, and the the really sad part about it is that when he gets out, he's such a changed person that all the things that made him Nasir at the beginning of this episode are just gone. He's not recognizable to his parents or to his brother. Everybody still looks at him, that he's guilty of something. So he becomes hard. He's just, yeah, he's hardened and, and jaded, and, and maybe, you know, in a few years he'll he'll recalibrate in some way and, and find, a, find a way to piece a good life together. There's no reason why he, that can't happen. But at least initially, he's very much... Um, yeah, the innocence is just stomped out of him. And that's, I think, the saddest part. What we're going to do when we're done here, so you know, is run some tests. You know why? Because you're a crime scene, Nazir, just like the house in the cabin, Andrea. And it's our job to collect everything we can from a crime scene. And here's what we're going to find, if you ask me. Her in the cab, the cab on her, you in the house, the house on you. You on her, her on you, the knife on you, her on the knife. I didn't kill her. You had sex with her. Yes, but it wasn't. I I didn't force her. 
I didn't say you did. She's only the second girl I've ever slept with in my life. I, I liked her. She was nice. Look, I'm going to be straight with you now. It's because what I'm looking at, the evidence already, the eyewitnesses are so strong, you really need to start telling me the truth for your sake. I am. You see that, right? That's recording us, and it will be used in court. How do you think that's going to come off? She was nice, I liked her, but I killed her. I did, and I already told you. I, I can't remember. I have to tell you, that's not going to play any better. Judges and juries, they don't like, I can't remember. They like honesty. They like remorse. They like that a lot. That counts for something to them. And even more to you. I'm talking about years. Honesty and remorse can shave a lot of years off. So you may want to revise that. Now's the time. go do what we have to do imagine the trauma though imagine like you imagine being in that situation you meet a girl you go back to her place and then you fall mm-hmm. asleep and wake up and she's dead and then you're like crap and then all these series of events and people being shitty to you like the whole time and you have no recollection of like anything like that's awful like mm-hmm. that would yeah. be so traumatic and i bet you that there's no no help offered to him afterwards either. No, I can't imagine. No. And and the society he's going back into is not going to be, you know, touchy-feely as far as mental health goes either. Well, no, no, mm. they never are. And, and the thing is that three families have been traumatized by this whole thing. Mm. Because you've got the, the other two um, cab groups and you've got his family. I mean, there is no happy ending to this. Mm-hmm. And Once I don't know, happens- I can't even recall if we know the victim's family. Mm. I'm not even, I can't even remember. She was kind of a mysterious figure. She like She almost really seemed was. like she wasn't real. Because, mm. like, at one point, like, when they were, when he stopped to pick up drinks and gas the cab, and then that hearse was parked next to him. Remember what the guy driving the hearse said? He's like, are you looking to be my next passenger yeah you yeah, know that was kind of yeah. almost weird that you know definitely foreshadowing yeah it was kind yeah. of like are you like is this like an apparition like what's going on <laughs> yeah that was that, so yeah. it was very hypnotic the whole, the entire sequence of her in the in the cab and the the lights and driving to the waterfront it just it seemed like a waking dream and yeah. at some point this was, I don't know if this was when he started doing the drugs or not, but he's like, is any of this real? I think he asks, is this real? So later on, there's some uh, doubt in his mind. Like, he starts thinking, did I do it? I mean, I did pass out, and could I have done it and not remember it? Everyone seems very sure that I did. And yeah. 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 could I have? Like, he doesn't know, and he's unfortunately... As stupid as he is, he's also honest in a really obnoxious way. Mm -hmm. And his honesty is like, I guess it could have been me. It's like, don't say that. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, but you keep that to yourself. That would be a completely honest 
feeling to have sure. because sure. it happened you were not present when it happened even if even if you were I mean, even if there was the off chance that he was physically present but just not mentally present you know like yeah. he still wasn't present like his brain wasn't there when it happened also right. also so many times if if somebody tells you enough times that you're wrong and everybody's saying that and yeah. it's yeah and it's they're clear they're passionate enough about it and it's something that's unbelievable anyway i mean i found myself second guessing my own memories about things that just seemed really weird just small things like something someone would say that just seemed so unbelievable that it would come out of someone's mouth and and then later on i found myself second guessing myself like did they really say could they really have said that and yet at the time i remember thinking i can't believe you just said that you know you still have a tendency to second guess your own memories so add drugs into the mix especially when you have no experience with them you don't know any of your limits and you don't know what kind of drugs these are We've heard about people going absolutely batshit crazy on bath salts. So it even just I mean, sleepwalking. There's been there's been instances where people have killed while sleepwalking. Okay, so you are a Nasir, let's say, and you wake up after doing some drugs and you find the dead body. What are you supposed to do? What's the right thing I, to do? The, the right, right thing, thing to, to do, do is, is call the police. Call the police, knowing. Oh well, you're gonna get blamed for this. <laughs> yeah, like what else could you do? It's like, yeah, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. I mean, your DNA is all over the place. Now, admittedly, if they hadn't gotten him, it might have been hard to find the person whose DNA it was, mm-hmm. and his fingerprints are probably not on file anywhere. The problem with him was that he didn't know to say, like, I want a lawyer right away. That was like, one of his many problems. Yeah. He had so yeah. many problems. Yeah. Why the hell did he take the knife? Yeah. If he was concerned about it, why didn't he wipe it off? Yeah. Yeah. And leave it. You know, yeah. I mean, I, yes, I think he yeah. he fully but, intended to take the knife and dispose of it somewhere, but he got caught uh, driving yeah. under the influence. So Too early. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If he had made it. A block farther, or that cop car hadn't been in that one spot, maybe he would have gotten away. But I guess, yeah, you you call the police, but you say and make sure there's a lawyer present, and I'll tell you. But I don't trust the police. No, you can't no. trust no, you the police. Can't. You can't. No. I mean, it's you know that was one of the things that you know <laughs> it was one of the things my old boyfriend was. It was really funny because. Um, you know, the whole thing about the biggest lies people tell mm. and so forth and so on. And one of them was, we're here to help. You know, it's just, you know, the, the three biggest lies the police right. tell or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're here to they're, help. They're there to book you. That's what they're there for. And they're there to solve crimes and to, yeah. you know, get uh, criminals off the street. Maybe. So, but, yeah, yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> Optimistically, they, well, maybe. Well, I mean, I they mean, want their man and they don't care if you're guilty or not. They just yeah. want their man. Some might. A lot of times. But you definitely can't trust them when they say, you know, I want to hear what you have to say. Like, I'm on your side, but they're not on your side. So, yeah, what I was what I was actually 
going for was the fact that he had warned me that if internal affairs or anything ever came to me and said, he said, you know, I'm not planning on doing anything bad ever. And he was, he was a very moral person. Um, I would be shocked if he did anything. But he said, if internal affairs or anybody ever comes to you and says that um, they're trying to, they're doing an investigation and they just want to, you know, um, prove that I'm not guilty of anything and they want you to give them any information or anything else, he said, do not talk to them. Mm. Do not say anything to them. Do not, you know, fall for whatever they're saying. Yeah. You know, and I was like, okay. Not a problem, but I mean, I got a whole lecture on that. It's like, don't, you know, and that's internal affairs. Before you call the police or after you call the police, call a defense attorney. Yeah. To yeah. be your advocate and protect you from all of this mm -hmm. in police, you know, I wouldn't say corruption, but, but I don't know a defense attorney. No. <laughs> uh, other than... Uh, our resident legal expert on the podcast, Harold. <laughs> well, you know what? What you could do is literally call the police, tell them that you know, you know, go down, sit down, get ready to be arrested. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, only thing, and the only right. thing you say is, "I want a lawyer." In this day and age, though, like we have like our phones on us, you can Google good defense attorney that's true you know uh, but would you have the presence of mind to do that oh i mean, I mean that? Probably that's not. the when thing he pulled his phone out of his jacket like in the police station i was like he's had his phone on him this whole time yeah yeah i, I was, was amazed the phone still had battery my phone at this point of the night would have been <laughs> pretty dead <laughs> well he's had it off all night i mean oh did he turn it off who turns their phone off I don't know. I mean, my it's battery like lasts it. two days, Matt. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Mine drains pretty pretty quickly. Mine drains pretty quickly too. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't believe it when he had his phone on him, and he hadn't. You know, he'd been talking about his dad and needing to know where the cab was and all of that. And I get it; he didn't want his dad to know. But you know, he's mm -hmm. got to realize by now that that the you know he's not going to be getting out of this i mean he thought well, he was going to maybe get out through the door there yeah wouldn't was, you though I was gonna wouldn't you i was gonna say did it look was he thinking of just walking out it looked yeah. like he seemed for a, a brief moment like nobody yeah. was paying attention to him and he could have just slipped out now that would yeah. not have lasted they would have gone where is that guy <laughs> yeah check the cameras yeah, but like but, you, but they didn't i'm not sure i mean they had written down his stuff and all but they had his but cab. He, they had a, they had the taxi impounded, right? Yeah, they have a cab there, but they didn't so. know that. I mean, he could have um, could have either gone back and gotten the cab or gotten you know whatever. Um, I don't think they had any of his stuff. They just shoved him in the back of the car. So yeah, so if you were in that situation, wouldn't you be thinking of ways to get out of this situation as well? Like I feel like that's all I was thinking when, as I was watching him. I was like, I could just so relate. I was I was actually expecting him to go to the bathroom when he first found the knife in his jacket. I was like yeah. expecting him to go to the bathroom, Same. wipe yeah. the thing down, and hide it in the bathroom. Yeah. And if somebody ends up finding it and and attacking police with it or whatever, oh well, life is tough. Yeah. But 
you know, I I was just surprised that he didn't ask to go to the bathroom. It's like, exactly. hey, I need to go. I need to go to the bathroom. Can exactly. I? Like, where's that was the bathroom? My first thought. Yeah. Find a place where he could, you know, Wash dump it in the police station. His hands were covered in blood. Wash your hands. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm maybe this is a maybe I make excuses, but the drugs in the system. I want to believe that they yeah. were still making him disoriented and incapable yeah, sure. of, you know, reasoning. And, and I, I know I get and the shock too of finding the body and a he's a very sheltered kid. Yep. He never even asked her what those drugs were, did he? Nope. He just, I mean, the one seemed to be cocaine. I was mad. He just up and took like, but he up and took that first pill, he just and I'm like, how? Sex. And then he started driving. What? I was, and then he started driving after yeah. he took the pill. <laughs> Anything for sex. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, See the power you women have over. <laughs> okay, okay. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> God, yeah, it's all our fault. Sex, dermatologist says keep them aerated. Like that's going to cure anything. I don't know, maybe it helps. I really can't tell. You ever been arrested? No. Pissing in public, littering, anything? No. Well, first time for everything, right? Uh, don't worry about my feet. It's not contagious. That's your politics. What do you mean by politics? Well, not to sound like a teabagger, but how do you feel about America? Well, I'm American. I was born here. Name two Yankees headed for the Hall of Fame. What? One Mississippi. Rivera and Jeter. Good. Married? No. So as a good Muslim boy, you live with your parents? Yeah. Talk to them yet? Yeah. They took my phone. Talk to anyone? What do you mean? Here. Like who? It's not a tough question. Like cops, who else is there? Uh, I talked to one. Why? What do you mean why? Tell me he told you you had to. He didn't. Tell me they didn't read you your rights. They did. Okay, Naz. Listen to me. Don't talk to anybody anymore. Anyone asks you anything, how you doing, isn't it a nice day? You say, gee, I don't know. Talk to my lawyer, okay? Say it. Okay. No, no, say that to me. I don't know. I don't know. Talk to? Talk to my lawyer. Good. I've been an I don't know guy all my life. He's never let me down. Where are you going? See if I can get you out of here. Short of that, get your phone call. You know what they're saying I did? I don't. And I don't care. Until they charge you, you didn't do anything. Go on. Don't go anywhere. Just to like that lawyer. I loved him. Really? Uh, John Totoro? I didn't like his American test. Hey, are you American? Name me these sports things. Mm. <laughs> no, but I liked, I liked that he was like... That was, was dumb, like, but... Yeah, but I liked that he was... I would have failed that test. <laughs> he was... Well, I just... yeah, no, yeah, but he, he was asking about a New York thing, and, you know, honestly, I drew a blank when he said that, and then as soon as the guy said Jeter, I'm like, okay, yeah, of course Jeter. I, and I, I've forgotten who else he said. I in New York, I guarantee I still would have failed that test. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. You know, but... It, yeah, I mean, that was just a... He just wanted to see how much the kid was in 
American culture and, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I just liked that he was like how he was the first nice person to him. Like he was the first one that showed him compassion after this happened. But Nobody his, else did. But his feet his feet melt. I can relate to eczema. I've had it before. Like it sucks. That's also a major plot point. I... Eczema? <laughs> Yes, eczema. His uh, he needs really? um. He tries various. Have... Yes, he tries various creams. I remember. Uh, <laughs> Goes to the dermatologist. It's it's sort of a it's a running through line. Uh, the dermatologist for some helps reason. him uh, helps him develop like a case for. <laughs> uh, here's a here's my only behind the scenes fun fact is that James Gandolfini was originally going to play that part. But oh, really? he died before they could film. Yeah, I saw he was credited as executive producer on it. Yeah, he got a posthumous executive producer credit because he was trying to get this adapted for quite a while. But then he died. So then the part was supposed to go to Robert De Niro. But De Niro dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. And it finally went to John Turturro. And John Turturro did get a Emmy nomination hmm. for Best Actor. Uh, in a miniseries, I guess. But he lost to his co-star Riz Ahmed, who plays Nasir. Oh, cool! So, so he won the the Emmy that year. Awesome for this role. Well, and he, he was he was doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, he was. And I'm sure when he starts changing and everything, he does a great job with that too. What else has he been in? Anything high profile? With John Turturro? No, no, <laughs> no. Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Oh, well, he just got an Oscar nomination for Sound of Metal. Never heard of it. Oh, was that him in Sound of Metal? Mm. Oh, was he the lead in Sound of Metal? Yes. Yeah, he won. Oh, okay, I and he saw got, that. He was uh, nominated for Best Actor Oscar last year. He did a great year. job. I didn't really... I There were things about it I wasn't crazy about, but he did a great job. He was in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Oh, okay. Oh, is he the guy with the ponytail? I don't know. I didn't see that. Oh, I saw it, but I don't remember. He was in Venom. Did not see that one. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that either. Alex saw it. I didn't see it. Guess he's an, a musical artist of some sort too. Well, he did do a very good job in. Um, Matt just Sound confirmed Metal. he was the guy with the ponytail. Fantastic. Who was the guy with the ponytail? Oh, wait a minute. Was that? What's the character's name? Uh, or Bodie Rook? Body Rook? Body Rook? He's what? also the lead voice actor in an Audible original called Assassin's Creed Gold. <laughs> a young Londoner must access the memories of her ancestor in 1696, a blind assassin aiding Isaac Newton to stop modern-day thieves about to take over the dark web. <laughs> That's insane! Wow! Oh, Anthony okay. Head does a voice, too. Anthony Head plays Isaac Newton. What? Amazing. Okay. That'll be a. I think I'm gonna uh, find a copy of that Audible original, Assassin's Creed Gold. Sometimes hmm. they're just on YouTube. Yeah, I'll look on Don't YouTube. Don't say that first. out loud. What? <laughs> it's not my my <laughs> job to police YouTube. <laughs> it's true. It's YouTube's job. <laughs> I also felt bad for the witness because it's like they kept oh, him yeah. waiting around in that police yeah, station. He was, he was, you, it's true he was, but... Oh, no, no, was, not that one. 
Not no. the uh, the one who was looking at the, oh, the lineup photos. I'm talking about the, the call. Yeah, the one who called uh, lived in the brownstone across the way. Saw the guy get in a cab, and then later on, he well, I didn't say he hailed the cab. It was his cab. It was his taxi. Uh, mm-hmm. I just felt bad for that guy because he was trying to do the right thing, but they just kept him waiting, and it's like I want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back to bed. He was also a peeping tom, though. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> He heard a sound and he looked out his window. I thought he was, yeah, he looked, he was spying on them even before the, like the the window break, wasn't he? They didn't he show be, uh... that. And since oh. they showed every little glance from every person that saw them, hmm. it seemed like everybody was like aware of that girl in the neighborhood. They were like, Shh, you know, all kind of keeping an eye on her. <laughs> reason or another well she was very pretty and she yeah. was really messed up and she said sa- it sounds like she was kind of an oddball yeah yeah Her- I, she, I mean that's you know as i say she was really messed up well Her the house- knife foreplay is yeah. very strange <laughs> Yeah. yeah, her house was like the decor was also kind of interesting. Like there was a like mm-hmm. I think I saw some taxidermy in there. Yes, they it was really dark. They first like, showed it. They showed a deer mounted on the yeah. wall. Yeah, some yeah. Taxidermy. There was like just like Christmas lights all over the place. I was like, this is my aesthetic. Am I weird? Probably. <laughs> mm. I think the deer was caught in the headlights, or because they they. Did a close up of that deer staring up at them as they went yeah. up the stairs a few times. Yeah, 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 or down the stairs or whatever. Mm. But uh, yeah, that was an expensive apartment. That's why he was so impressed. Um, I don't remember what it was. West Eighty Seventh, I think. Well, that's the other Wait. thing that was odd about this was that how, like it's just even more mysterious because like if it's an expensive is it an apartment or is it a house it looks uh, like a brownstone a so it could be i'm sorry you're right it's a brownstone so it's mm. a house yeah and um, it's and, and like in the middle of new york city like that's really expensive isn't it oh yeah yeah oh, so yeah. so yeah, yeah but, so i'm like did she get this like as she was only what 24 they said yeah what? Most of those brownstones have been cut up into apartment buildings. That's one reason I kept saying apartment. Yeah. Because when they first were going up there, it assumed that she lived in an apartment in the brownstone. Mm. And then it wasn't until later. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. They went up. Maybe she inherited she it. Um, yeah, that's what I, think, I was thinking. Maybe I it's think an, an ex-boyfriend she... shows up at some point, and maybe, and maybe she was like squatting there or something until but they she could... said too that her dad died, so it could have been oh. left to her by her dad. Could have, mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's true. It it yeah, felt was... so Definitely. messy and busy inside, like she was mm. nesting in there with all yes. this stuff around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and when it's dark and it's only lit by Christmas lights, you might think, oh, this is eclectic. But you turn all the lights on, you're like, oh, this is a hoarder house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at, when it was dark, I was like, oh, this is nice. But then when they kind of started coming in later, I was like, oh, not as nice. No. <laughs> so what did you think of the lead detective box? Played by Bill like- Camp. When he first came on, I said, okay, is this going to be a good guy who figures out you know what really happened 
Or is he going to be the bad guy who assumes he knows what it was and mm-hmm. tries to railroad the kid? It's, and it's the latter. I think. It's, it's the, the latter. Yeah. Um, you know what he reminded? He reminded me of Bruce Willis with hair. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I've seen this guy before, but I can't remember. Yeah. He just had the like a look that he looked like Bruce Willis a little bit. <laughs> he was in four episodes of The Leftovers. Oh. Yes. What did he? Which season? Uh, he played God at one point. What? Uh, no. Man on the Bridge. This Australian guy, David Burton. He shows up in the episode. It's a Matt, 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 Matt world. Matt. <laughs> on the Matt, ferry. Matt? Carol. Yeah. From Tasmania over to the mainland. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay. What season is that? Season three. Okay. So, who's he in the sentence, he killer or something? Uh, look, man, I, I was just saying. You were just saying what? I mean, you know, some, some Arab dude she was with. Describe him. You know, an Arab dude. No, I don't. Look like he work at a deli or some shit. Try harder. Hmm? <laughs> uh, like little short, skinny, Puerto Rican looking motherfucker with beanie eyes. How do you know he wasn't Puerto Rican? Was he wearing anything Arabic? No, man. He, he on this regular, you know, Friday night garden party shit. I mean, I tried to warn her, too. Yeah? How'd you go about doing that? I just told him right to his face. So you didn't know him? Nope. Never saw him before? Nope, nope. You know the girl? I mean, not per se, you know what I'm saying? No, I don't. I mean, I know her type. What type is that? You know what? This coming out wrong. What's your name? How about you give me a card or something, and then I'll just bang you on this later. My card? If I turn you upside down, how much weed is going to fall out? So, so that's how you do. See? No good deed goes unturned. Take him in. So, I remember one major criticism of this miniseries when it aired was that a lot of the important detective work that's done in the very last episode both by the defense attorney and by Bill Cam's character the lead investigator people were saying this is the stu- these are the questions that you should have asked way before the trial started mm-hmm. why are you waiting to the 11th hour to to ask to like find certain witnesses and follow certain lines of evidence because I, I believe, yeah, that's why, right? Because there wouldn't be a eight, eight episodes of this if they had done the work at the start. Mm-hmm. But I assume his... the answer was because they thought they knew who had done it, so they didn't bother to go any further. I mean, it's kind of that, but there were some very obvious things, and I don't remember because it's been so so long since I've watched it. But eventually, that character does start to suspect that perhaps they got the wrong guy. And Mm. then he starts untangling some threads, and then it's like, oh shit, I think this is not the right guy. But Mm. it does seem like you should (laughs) have asked that follow-up question seven episodes earlier. Yeah, so, it was the middle of the night. He had to get up really early. He that's the ready. thing. We're all tired. If this, <laughs> if I was the witness or the suspect, I'd be like, "Can we do this in the morning, please?" <laughs> yeah, 
would all be cranky. Like, even the cops, the cops were like, we were supposed to get off shift four hours ago. <laughs> no one's supposed to, this is why I don't leave the house when it's dark. <laughs> Nothing good happens <laughs> when it's dark. Trapped. Not a, not a, not a, I'm not a late night outside person. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Things are lurking in the shadows. <laughs> well, especially, <clears throat> I mean, I, I also thought it was for a smart guy. It's like, since when don't you look up, you know, where some place is that you're going? Mm. I mean, you wait until you're in Manhattan to ask somebody where Stanton Street is? You have a smartphone, use Google Maps. Yeah. What, 2014? Yeah. And if you don't... Then you go to MapQuest and print out the directions like we used to do back in the 90s. Yeah, did he have a flip phone? I don't recall no, what his phone was like. he had a smartphone. Hmm. Okay. Did he have a data plan? Yeah, did he have a data plan? Those weren't that common back in 2014, I don't feel. But the thing That's... is that if you don't, then you have maps. Right. Yeah. I mean, real honest to God, paper maps. He could, especially in a cab, I'll bet there is a map in there somewhere. Or he could have bought a map, maybe at the gas station. Maybe. Yeah, he could have bought yeah. a map at the gas station, yeah. but he didn't stop at the gas station until after he'd give, already given up on the party. Yeah, yeah but, going to the gas station was a strange detour as well. Because when do you pick up a passage in your cab and then stop for snacks for them? Well, yeah. you drop them off where they're exactly. going <laughs> because. He wasn't picking up a passenger in his cab. He was, he was looking infatuated for with this siren. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, but you know, it was it's a like witch, I tell you, a witch. So you, in that case, a smart guy like that, why wouldn't he have looked it up before he left, or at least grabbed a map, which I'm sure. I mean, the cab driver has to have studied Manhattan and the boroughs in order to get his so, license. There's got to be maps I'm gonna, around there somewhere. Well, I, he, he could have picked one up at the gas station, yeah. but yeah, after that point, he decided not to go to the party. Right. So I think what... Again, this could just be making me making excuses for the plot, but he was originally supposed to be driven into the city by his friend, who probably right. knew where to go. And when his friend canceled, which came as a shock to him... It's like he made this very impulsive decision when his parents weren't paying attention to grab the keys to the cab and take it. And he didn't right. think beyond that because he probably thought, if I think any further about this, I'm going to not do this thing. He's like, the this only, is the wrong the thing to reason... do, but I'm going to do this. I've never done anything wrong in my entire life. I'm going to get the keys. I'm going to get in this cab. And I'm going to go right now. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. And then but there's going to be lost. females at the party, so I must be yeah. there. Females. Well, females, but also <laughs> these kinds like jocks, of females, right? There's like you, you get the idea that he's not a social butterfly, so no, oh, definitely, he's not, going yeah. to be. I mean, I, the, the inhaler, right? Oh, I just got it. Uh, he's a real Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was was coming up Millhouse for uh, this year. Let me tell you. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and she just put the cat out on the street in New York City. I mean, mm. really? I was like, "You're kidding me!" And then she's dead. What happened to the cat? Uh, you know what? I think it could be that the cat gets adopted by the defense attorney. Did you guys notice the cat at the end yes. of the show? It was like uh, a very same cat. 
Oh, I didn't notice. What happened? No, but it could have been the same cat the because that cat was outside of Nasir's father's place. I know. Oh, right, right. That I cat know. I saw. I know, but I but there's all kinds of crazy things that happened in this episode. So I wouldn't put it past if that was a magical cat that just traveled through a portal. <laughs> it's a reporting cat. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of magic in this episode. <laughs> no, there is, Carol. There is. Well, it comes in the so, form of film. Okay. Okay. And teleporting cats. Okay. But, you I, know, I think he... cat from Manhattan probably wouldn't be seen dead in Queens. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know cats had standards. God, Here. such snobs. Oh, please. Oh. They're cats. <laughs> I believe the, the cat gets adopted by the defense attorney, John Totoro. Oh. And then okay. he brings the cat home with him. But I there's you... some recurring cat motifs in this as well. <gasps> Maybe it's that makes because me want to watch it more. The cats are By out the way, at night. I have, no, I, I have nothing against queens. I queens is a very no nice too place. late. Too late. Carol hates queens. <laughs> I have good friends who live in Queens. Very nice place. I don't <laughs> buy it. <laughs> I have queens friends. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Not queen. Not friends who are queens. Friends who live in Queens. Oh, you don't have both? Yeah, I have both, but I didn't think you necessarily had those that lived in Queens. Okay. Who wants to read feedback? I've got feedback from Steve and... I can, or Matt can, or Carol can. Whoever. (laughs) I can read it. Do it. Intense! I was increasingly stressed watching Nas's night spiral out of control. To the point where I was actively yelling at the character, No! Don't do that! Don't touch that! Stop it! (laughs) Waking up in the middle of a crime scene, the dude's screwed from the get-go. The show does a very good job of layering in the ever-expanding mountain of evidence against him. And even if he is innocent, the pessimist in me can only see death row in this guy's future. But there's no death row in New York, right? Yeah. Well, there is, I think, but you never get there. There is, but you never get there. It's kind yeah. of like an underneath kind of like we yeah. we have this, sh- but we won't talk about it. Kind of. Various thing. states are like that. Well, we they various states sentence people to death, but then don't go through with it. I think de- I think New York got rid of the death penalty a long time ago, though. Okay, interesting. Not sure. Uh, continuing, I'm interested in watching the rest of this miniseries just to see if Nas can reverse the scales of the seemingly unbalanced, weighted criminal justice system. Fun fact, supposedly there's an unaired 2013 pilot with John Turturro's character, John Stone, played by HBO alum James Gandolfini, his final acting credit before his death in June 2013. Aside from just wanting uh, more of the Gone Too Soon Sopranos actor... I think I would have really enjoyed Gandolfini for this against type role. Seven out of ten bow tie wearing deer mouths. I didn't notice there was a bow tie. <laughs> really <laughs> amazing. That is eclectic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that there was a 2013 unaired pilot, but I didn't know Gandolfini was in it. But I guess that makes sense, mm, unless it yeah. was the Robert De Niro one. But probably makes more sense that it was the Gandolfini one. Uh, I wish we could get to see unaired pilots. Yeah, that would be fun. Sometimes they show up on YouTube and stuff. But... Or sometimes they show up on DVD extras, like yeah. special features. Yeah. <clears throat> Even if it's just a scene. 
would be yeah. nice to, it would have been nice to see like his interpretation yeah of see the if it's on role. youtube could be on youtube maybe maybe could be oh. we should check the acting in this was really good and yeah. the oh, production yeah. values and everything were really good it's just the subject matter is too dark well, it's not that it was too dark cuz i i watch a lot of stuff that's dark it's just that I knew I knew what was going to happen, you mm-hmm. know, and it was going to be horrible. And it's like, why put myself through this if I know what's going to happen mm, and it's going right. to be horrible? Mm. And I could, you know, I can reel off any number of stories <laughs> of horrible stuff like this that's happened to people, specifically in New York City, because, you know, that's the closest one that gets the airplay around here. Um, I'm sure in Newark or, you know, wherever else too, but, you know, there's a few of them that come to mind immediately and they've got national play and stuff. And, you know, it's like, uh, I wonder if the innocence project has like a, um, post release from prison sort of, um, therapy counseling program. That would help somebody like Nasir reacclimate. That poor kid who was in probably not jail for years because he was accused of stealing a backpack that he didn't steal um, ended up killing himself when he got out. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long? How long is Nasir in the, in prison? I don't remember. But I'm uh, wondering. When he's in oh. prison, he he's it becomes a little bit like the another HBO show we watched, Oz, where he has mm-hmm. to he kind of becomes involved with um I want to say a gang that doesn't sound quite right, but it's like a prison clique, you know. He's got to throw his lot in with a particular group of guys to survive, and then he probably does some things that he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, becomes yep. tainted by that. So, sorry, Mel. What were you gonna say? Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was wondering if, because uh, to Carol's previous point there, where she was talking about like how she knew that everything was going to happen, I'm just wondering if this show was more meant for people that aren't aware of what the criminal justice system is like. Maybe it's just to, meant to open certain people's eyes. I don't know if that would be the the audience that would even be interested in watching something like this. You know, Mel, I actually had that discussion with someone earlier today. Oh, did you really? (laughs) Yeah. You just reminded me of it because um, at the fellowship, I said, you know, oh, I've got this podcast I'm going to be doing and and we got involved talking about podcasting and she wanted to know what we were going to do and I mentioned this and she said, oh, I watched the first three episodes and I couldn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, "My, my daughter loved it. And, yeah. and I said, you know what? It might be that, cause I said, cause I'm right there with you. I didn't want to go to the second episode. And I said, it might be that if you are older mm. and have just heard this so many times mm. and, you know, the real life versions of it, that it's just like, okay, I know how this ends. I, you know, I know the steps leading up to how this ends. I really don't want to watch this. 
I think Whereas this would younger actually people. Yeah, it's like some of it is revelatory. I think this would actually be a really good show to watch for, like, say, if you were going to show something uh, in like a high school or something. Like, if you were gonna, you know, sometimes like you get those classes where, like, hey, we're going to watch a movie today. Like, they could just show that, and that would be pretty an, a pretty interesting thing to discuss in class. Even maybe, like, at the first-year university level, it might be a really interesting thing to discuss. I'm guessing that for the content, you'd have to either get parental permission or be at college level. Uh, but you're know. right. I don't know. Some like of my teachers showed us some pretty thing. interesting things. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I saw some pretty... Uh, I saw a Playboy production of Macbeth in high school. Was there boobs? Kidding. I think there was... There, there was, was some boobs. boobs. And we saw... There we was s- no sex. I don't know why it was produced we, by Playboy. But we, saw, <laughs> we saw a production... Uh, uh, of uh, when uh, colonialists first came to Canada in history class, and it's called Black Robe, but there was boobs in that. Like, people having sex, straight-up sex in it. Like, I was in grade 10. (laughs) (laughs) This is your history. (laughs) It's history! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Canada. (laughs) Oh, oh, we're gonna talk more about Canada when we talk about uh, Young Pope. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be American, right? Oh, no, we're still going to talk about Canada. Oh, oh. okay, so. <laughs> well, I mean, don't we always talk a little bit the about Catholic Canada? River? Uh, we, do, we do talk about a little bit about Canada pretty much every episode, I think. This is a half-Canadian. It's true, right, it is. It is. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think you're right that you know, it it did occur to me that for someone who's younger, who hasn't been, uh, shall I say the word, jaded mm. by by these stories in real life, where you just go, oh my god, you know, I know exactly what's going to happen to this kid. And not just real life, also, you know, dramatic productions and so forth. Yeah. That uh, they'd appreciate it more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Or you'd scare the shit out of them, and they would never leave their bedroom. Well, it's... Yeah. I mean... They would never go out at night. Is that what happened to you, Matt? (laughs) You saw this show, you were like, I'm never going out again. I'll never go out again. I'm never going to Italy again, after what they did to poor Amanda Knox. (laughs) Same thing. Got railroaded for a crime she didn't do. Mm -hmm. Another stabbing. Yeah. There you go. Learn from other people's uh, trials and tribulations. That's right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Just, yeah. I mean, just try and stay away from the criminal justice system as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is oh, not yeah. there for you or for no. anyone, really. Stay no. away. It's not there to... You don't want to get in the no. system if you can... In any kind of governmental system... If you possibly can, you want basically them to not know that you even exist. And if you do, get an attorney immediately. And don't let any cop tell you that it's going to look bad for you. Like, only guilty people ask for legal help. Like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. Right? (laughs) I can tell you, as someone who briefly, very briefly worked for the government for three months, I 
never heard the end of it after I left that job. It was just insane. The amount of letters I got afterwards, emails, they just wouldn't stop contacting me. They never stop. It never stops. Even this year, this was like, what, back in, what, 2018? Mm. Yeah, even this year, I still was getting stuff from them. I I got money from them, and I was like, why am I getting money from (laughs) him? I was like, great that I'm getting money, but weird. (laughs) They sent you a bunch of pay stubs for zero dollars. Yeah, as well, which was really strange, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, even if it worked for them, it's crazy. It sounds like they never told they never told personnel that you weren't no an employee anymore or something. I don't know what it was. It's crazy. I just want to forget about all of it. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> so imagine if you go to jail or anything like that, you would be re- probably reminded constantly through paperwork or whatever that hey, you oh, yeah. were in jail for this thing that you didn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, remember how, when you were in you jail reliving your trauma constantly and if That'd he was awful. convicted even if later on he won on appeal I'm pretty sure that the way the question is asked on every application for everything yes. is have you ever been convicted of a felony Yeah. yeah. if so what yeah. yes I was convicted of murder hmm Oh, yeah, like, yeah. But it was overturned. Oh! <laughs> but that's that's a stressful thing to answer to. Uh huh. Yeah. And somehow that but will not register with most people. Mm-hmm. You know, because especially with the whole the whole mindset of, oh yeah, people are getting off on technicalities. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, so. I'll admit, 20 years ago, I was probably naive to think that if you're caught in the justice system, that you did something to be there. Yeah, yeah of course. A lot of people do. But I we're grew con- out of it. We're conditioned to think that way, that the right. cops are good, and they're out to protect us. Mm-hmm. And that certainly, if you didn't do anything, you've got nothing to worry about, right? Right, right. But yeah. I don't think I was ever naive enough to say that you shouldn't have an attorney. Like, it's you're right. Why would you not? Why would you not? So, uh, other than the fact that you can't afford a good one, or yeah. you just don't know who to call. Uh, we've got feedback from Harold. Carol, would you read this, please? Yeah. I wanted to like this one. There was a lot of potential in the first 15 or 20 minutes when the show was creating the great sense of anticipation that Nasir was going to go in the city against the wishes of his protective parents and get involved in some serious shit. Would something happen at the party? Something related to his Pakistani background? Something that would hit a nerve or shine a light on the life in New York City where there are so many people from such diverse backgrounds and economic classes of classes all constantly crossing each other's paths. I was getting excited for something interesting. But no. It was yet another murder plot. Subcategory wrong man who has to prove his innocence. Yawn. I was hoping for something elevated beyond that. Instead, I got TV, not HBO. Yes, well-made TV, but still, just the same old stuff we've seen before. 
I gave this six and a half impounded taxis out of ten. That's like the exact same uh, feelings I had on it. <laughs> I was so interested at first, and then I was like, oh. Mm. I'm with Harold. And I'm... <laughs> I'm scratching my too. brain trying to think of, like, was there a moment in the miniseries where it turned a corner and became something very special? And they, they they did something with the criminal justice system that was, oh, I hadn't seen it, maybe I'd seen it before on television dramatized, but I hadn't seen it done so well. Or that was a really interesting take. But I can't remember, It's it's been such a while. Uh, I did reach out to Harold. I wanted to know, because there was this moment in the police station where the uh, Nasir, I don't even think he asked for an attorney. He uh, he said something like, should I get an attorney? Should I get a lawyer? And the cop was yeah. like, I wouldn't. I mean, how do you think that looks to a jury? You asking for a lawyer. And so I said, Harold, have you ever heard of a prosecution ever? Because <laughs> Harold's our resident legal expert. In your experience, have you ever heard of a prosecutor ever mentioning to a jury, you know, this guy over here, he asked for a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And Harold's like, no, that would never happen. That would be, it would be an infringement on their rights to infer, or rather uh, imply such a thing. Yeah, Box knew this guy wouldn't know anything about that, and he could uh, take advantage of his naiveness. Well, it wasn't Box that I think, well, maybe Box... uh, like no, that a, as well, it was, but it was a it was a couple guys who were just like that was a random random uh, guy at the desk. Oh, okay. I mean, boxing would have said the same thing probably. Speaking of the uh, desk, I did like that that little line about why are these desks so tall? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Harold said the cop would have violated his right to an attorney, and the request couldn't be used against him. Yet another reason to require cops to wear body cams. There were times when I, I was like, oh, okay, there's, um, like, there was a chain of custody question that I wondered whether that was going to come back, you know, for evidence and, and so forth. And, you know, there were a lot of different little things thrown in there that could show up. But, you know, who cares? We know how it's going to play out, so... And Harold said, realistically, he was low-hanging fruit for the cops. That's a closed case. No need to do more work. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Could the guy have looked mm-hmm. any more guilty? Okay, Chandler. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, he really couldn't look more guilty. No. Well. I suppose there's a way he yeah, could have. I mean, but... Personality was different. He could have looked guiltier, you know, if he was, you know, if he struck one as somebody who was violent or something. Oh, you know what we never mentioned was the um, the foreshadowing, like the when you were talking about him being under the influence of drugs and so forth, um, and him wondering about whether he'd done it and all of that. Uh, the guy going crazy on the floor in the precinct, and them saying that he was on dust, and that you know and he was like really violent and everything else um that definitely could have an impact on his state of mind as far as seeing this example of a guy going nuts because he was on drugs Mm, like laying the seed in his mind of maybe i could have done that 
Yeah, exactly. Look at, look at the, I, I never read that that way. I always thought it was just another example of Nasir being totally out of his element. It, I, I, thought he was, I thought he was thinking, okay, next time somebody comes in like that, I'm going to make a break for it while they're all distracted. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, I, we all had a different take on that. I yeah. mean, it, it didn't... It didn't strike me that way at the time. At the time, it was more um, just the guy is shocked and he's in this this brutal environment and he was shocked by the brutal environment. But, you know, later on, it was like, oh, okay, if we're talking about, you know, his state of mind and everything else, he's had very little drug experience. And here was this guy that he saw being super violent because he was on drugs. Yeah, don't take drugs, kids, from people you don't know, and you don't know what it is. Yeah, that's just that's, stupid. That's a good takeaway. Uh, thank you, Harold. Thank you, Harold. What's the matter? You guys don't like overtime? Who doesn't like overtime? You want to test them right now. Now you're going to test them. Test what? Go on, if it was over there. Just duck the bullet here, kid. Get his pedigree, search him, clear him, and warrants, kick him free. Yeah. Put your hands on the railing for me. Be careful with the inventory matches. DCPI called. I'm like totally in the dark here. Can you help me out? I'll do my best, Teddy. Uh, name? Nasir Khan. Victim's name is Andrea Cornish. Spell it. 22 years old. Caucasian. Found in a bedroom. In bed. You'll be? Stabbing homicide. 11, 12. Suspect is a male. Unknown age. Unknown race. This is your current address? Seen leaving at approximately 0200, running down the block, hailing a taxi. I didn't say that he hailed the taxi. I said that he left in a taxi. That's what I said. His taxi. Fine. This is what we do, dump our witnesses here. Somebody escort the gentleman to the squad room? Uh, Frank, do you mind? Call me, sir. What is this? Grace, what are you? Ah, Fox, Asian Pacific Brother. Who's the other guy? What other guy? I was talking to who I said bring in. The one reeking weed. Who we tell? Bell. Nope. Brought him in. How many times stabbed? I didn't count, Teddy. A lot. Occupation? A student. Get it from Harry. Where? Can you put your hands behind your head for me, please? Lock your fingers. Quick. Put some cards. Turn around. Weapon recovered? Not as yet. ESU's doing a toss of the house, street, dumpsters, grades, drains. What we're looking for is an approximately five inch long, one and a half inch wide, possibly serrated knife. Turn around. Do not move. Picked him up where again? 65th and Broadway. No, wait, wait. What time? About 0200. I didn't do it. Didn't do what? What's your name, son? No, sir. You don't understand. Well, that's why we're going to talk, okay? So I will understand. Just you and me. Come over here. Come on. Hey, hey, that's the dude I was talking about. That's him right there. Hey, that's him. Hey, 
let's rate it. Okay. Uh, I liked, I liked the first little bit more than the last bit. So it started out as probably like an eight, and then it dropped to like a six point five by the end. So I'll give it a six point five. What you wouldn't split uh, it down the middle? No, <laughs> I, I really didn't. <laughs> Because I guess it wasn't half; it was like the three-quarter mark or something. Yeah, or at least it felt like it. Wow! All the police stuff, I was like, ah. so it was just like left you with a sour taste. No, it left me bored. Mm. Uh, and we were watching it at double speed. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll give it yeah six point five out of ten uh, magic pills. I mean, yeah, uh, I found the story really compelling. Um, even though, yeah, you know that like. Like, every, it seems like every turn, just everything was going wrong for him. And I, I, I did, I had no idea that that's what was going to happen. Unlike Carol, I didn't really realize that he was going to be, uh, bl- blamed for a murder. Like, I didn't realize that she was going to die. I didn't really, like, I don't usually, I don't think I usually guess too much about what's about to happen in a show anyway. But, um, yeah, anyways, uh, good actors, mm. presence of cats, mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a 7 out of 10 uh, teleporting cats. Oh, no, teleporting tabbies. Better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you writing the, like, what? our rating is, or are you just writing a rating? Well, it, wouldn't it be pretty anal to write down every text thing that you say no, into it would a be spreadsheet? Amazing, because I, I thought mine that I came up with was amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? <laughs> I do all. write them all down. <laughs> <laughs> because you are anal. <laughs> I, I had this funny feeling that the answer was yes, uh-huh. and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> What's fun is looking back at some of these ratings divorced of context. Yeah. And wondering where they came from. Yeah, yeah wondering where they came from or <laughs> I mean some of these I, I, I can tell what show it it is. Yes. Like buttons popped out of Dustin Hoffman's shirt. That's <laughs> gonna be from luck. But Soggy Bouquets? Okay. Hmm. Down and out Fu Manchu mustaches. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'll rate it next. I I do know what was going to happen. I was I always read a, the synopsis of a show before I sit down to watch it. Uh, I, so I, I I know where this is going. Um. Uh, that doesn't mean I can't still enjoy the ride. It's very depressing. It, <laughs> the criminal justice system is a horrifying apparatus. Mm-hmm. And especially, I think, if you're a person of color, as Nasir was. And we didn't really get into that, but there's a lot of aspersions cast upon him for being um, a Muslim. And the whole insular na- uh, nature of his upbringing makes him particularly naive and vulnerable to the harsher elements of life in this country. I thought that was all very well handled. I didn't call this out during our discussion, but there were a lot of glaring black men that I thought was very 
I don't even possibly offensive, but I'm not sure. The guy at the gas station, mm-hmm. the other two guys as they were walking past the brownstone, and the one turned around and just menacing black guys. What I said in my notes, what is this about? I mm. I don't know. It, it felt yeah. a, maybe a little racist in a way. Mm. And then the like one of them like was racist in turn. Like the guy that they brought in to Yeah. To yeah. identify Nasir. I mean like, and he was I, like calling him a towel head. I I thought they were trying to be intense as opposed to hostile or whatever. You know, like they were really noticing I who this you know, this guy's face and you know what I mean? Um, it was supposed to be an intense stare, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, maybe. I, my I read on it. Feelings too. Yeah, my read on it was like they were making these black men scary, mm-hmm. and they kind of layered on that on a little bit at the start with the mother, who's like, "I don't think that's that's not the element I want you. I don't want you going down into that place." But like, then yeah, they like well, upped the yeah. menacing nature of it True, for yeah. these for these background characters. Yeah, and I was like, "Is the show racist?" I couldn't tell. It was anyway. It was just a, a thing I wanted to bring up, and um, yeah. I thought that the scene in the police station, where in the background you hear the witness saying, "Well, I didn't say he hailed the cab. I said he got in a cab," and this is when he's getting the pat down, and the detective box starts talking about the murder weapon. And he's getting the pat down, and they pull the knife out of his jacket. I thought that was so well built, the tension there. Because mm. I put myself in Nasir's shoes, and I could feel like the the how the anxiety would build until it exploded, and then it did, and he ran, tried to run away, and he was crying for his, for his mommy and his daddy, and it's like, oh, this poor kid, he's just a kid. And now the system's right. gonna eat him up and spit him out, and it's it's terrifying. But yeah. it is it felt realistic and awful. So anyway, mm-hmm. I this is just a long preamble to say I'm gonna give it eight out of ten penile swabs. <laughs> <laughs> the the you're right. The anxiety like was really well portrayed. Like you could really feel like the actor did a fantastic job. And there's like, also just, the, he barely he barely said that much yeah he didn't talk a lot but like his face there's also the anxiety in the waiting waiting in the back of the cab or the police sorry the police cruiser outside of the brownstone not knowing what's going on Mm -hmm. what anyone's saying to each other then waiting in the police station just waiting just the wait waiting of it is a horrible like it just allows your it just would just wreck your stomach, like your insides, the longer it goes on. It's, it's, yep. I was more interested to watch the show in the first few minutes when I thought it was going to be about the, uh, the book smart kid getting in with the, the popular jocks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the, um, the opening credits? Uh, yeah, yes. I think so. The opening credits are incredibly ominous. Oh, yes. They seemed less ominous at twice the speed, though. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure everything did because everything was very slow. Yes, yes, yes. To make yes. it more ominous. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the lighting was also very dim. Uh, yes, it all mm-hmm. takes place at night because that's the night of, and the rest of the mm-hmm. show is, you know, for- forward plot progression. Uh, but even like the police station was dimly lit. Yeah. 
Oh, almost obnoxiously so. For ambiance. <laughs> As you're being arrested, they want you to feel the ambiance. <laughs> Alright. So I guess it's my turn. Yes. I'm very torn because the acting was excellent. The acting was very good. The... It did what it wanted to do. You know, it was ominous all the way through. It had, you know, this tone. They had a lot of tension. The problem for me was that it was tension that I knew, already knew. There's a point when I say something like, um, in my notes, something like, is he going to, um, is he going to get out of the police station? Uh, uh, what does it really matter? They're going to pick him up later anyway. It doesn't, you know, none of this matters because you know he's going to get caught. That's obvious, you know. So it was just, it, it was a lot of beautifully done building up tension to no point, you know. It, it just, so I'm really torn uh, because it was very well done, but it was torture. I hated it. Um, I liked it better near the end. The t point when Matt started disliking it, I started liking it a little better. <laughs> um, so there you have that. Um, I don't remember what I gave other things, but I keep coming back to a four. Um, four out of ten places in the outer boroughs where you can't catch public transportation. Because I think there's probably only 10. I really didn't like it. <laughs> but the acting was great. And the cinematography was fantastic. young pope was this brought to us by cherry coke zero <laughs> <laughs> do they have does cherry coke zero have a theme song does cherry coke zero actually exist has anyone seen it in the wild no i don't know i i don't pay attention to uh diet sodas 
I think he uh, maybe will yeah. it because he has apparently holy powers or something because he's so connected to God. I don't know. Eh. Did you watch the second episode? I did. I did. I you, Carol? I watched the second episode. What I'm pretty sure he's. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure he's a sociopath. Um. Uh, oh, probably. yeah. <laughs> Does the, does the second episode show how he became the Pope? Like, why would they choose this guy? Should we do the the minute summary? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <gasps> Was everyone? Uh, did everyone do drugs and then wake up one night instead of a dead body? They had chosen a Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like connected worlds? <laughs> yeah. Well, this premiered October twenty first. 2016. It was written and directed by, I'm going to butcher this man's name, Paolo Sorrentino. It's a 10 part miniseries. Eh, close enough. Uh, and yeah, someone's going to summarize it, and we know it's not going to be Carol. Not going to be Carol. Yeah, yeah. The tension builds. It's Mel. Oh, oh okay. no. Oh, <laughs> no. This is going to go way over. Save most of your scathing criticism. Save your rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember, this is just the plot. This isn't the commentary. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's make it two wins in a single pod. Okay, you, you, t- you counting All me right. down? Or? I can. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so we open up with a baby crawling on top of what looks like a bunch of other dead babies, and this really kind of felt highly inappropriate, but whatever, let's continue on. Um, <laughs> and then we meet the Pope, and he's like telling people to get abortions and masturbate, and then we realize, oh, it was just a dream. And then we find that we meet all of his uh, em- uh, employees, uh, people in his employ. Yeah, and then he, they're all out to like, uh, you know, kind of control him, and he's like, I'm not going to be controlled. And then he brings his uh, mom, I think it's his mom, in, <laughs> and he's like, you're going to be my assistant, I'm getting all these people on my side to be close to me, and every- fuck everybody else. Uh, and I think that's it. Ooh, way under. Oh wait, I'm I can't keep going! I can't keep I'm going. sorry, you're a, you're a Catholicism chump. <laughs> You want to go? Go for five more seconds. Uh, and that guy really likes to look at the Venus of Willendorf. <laughs> All right, 52 seconds. You know what? In the spirit of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior, I'm going to count that as a win. All right. Okay. Actually, I'm going to retract that because in the spirit of the sociopathic Pope... I'm going to just trap you by making you think one thing and then just taking it away from you. Want yeah. a cup of American coffee? <laughs> I want a Cherry Coke Zero or I want nothing. <laughs> uh, his surrogate mother, Diane Keaton. Not his real mother. Yeah. He's an orphan. Yeah. Well, it sounded, she was, when they met, it sounded like she was, she knew him. Yeah. Previous or something, yeah. and it I, sounded to me like she was his mother. Yeah, I but then, but they had to pretend that she wasn't. Yeah, that was what I 
thought there for a while too, and I kind of dismissed that later. But they really did give that impression at the beginning. They really did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I thought she was related to him in some way. Maybe not his mother, maybe his aunt or something, but... Mm. Well, you know, when they said, you know, when he came up and he said, Ma, and she said, no, you must never call me that. Call me Sister Mary. I mean, why yeah. would a kid come up to a random woman and call her Ma? Say, Ma, you know? yeah, yeah. That exactly. was the... That was, that was very thing. strange. Yes, and then later in the second episode, we see another young boy, right. and she's like, "Call me Ma." Yeah, what he the says, hell is going on? Sister Mary, and she says, uh, "Don't call me that. Call me Ma." And I is was this like, a Catholic okay. thing? She do, sounds wacky. Do boys yeah. well, call well, nuns Ma sometimes in in the Catholic Church? Well, she was, if she was that. a mother superior, but you still would say mother superior. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't say Ma, though. No. I wondered. I, I wondered what that was about. When that, sounds, that, that, that happened, sounds... I was like, okay, this woman's a wackadoodle. Well, she's in the Catholic Church. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. I was getting some beef. We are getting... Oh. Yeah. She, I, when you call her a wackadoodle, like none like Pope. He's a real wackadoodle. Oh, yeah, he is. He absolutely is, yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna retract and I'm gonna say I'm they're sure there's some nice people in the Catholic Church, but the people in positions of power are generally not great people. As with most power structures. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the higher up you go. Yeah. You know. But I I really liked him at first when I when we were in his dream. He was he was kind of funny. I was like, "Yes, this is what what this religion needs." And then he woke <laughs> you know, up. And then he woke up, and I'm like, "Oh man!" And what else have we forgotten? We have forgotten to masturbate, to use contraceptives. To get abortions, to celebrate gay marriages, to allow priests to love each other and even to get married. We have forgotten that we can decide to die if you detest living. We have forgotten to have sexual relations for purposes other than procreation without feeling guilty. To divorce. To let nuns say mass. To make babies in all the ways science has discovered and will continue to discover. In short, my dear, dear children, not only have we forgotten to play, we have forgotten to be happy. And there is only one road that leads to happiness. And that road is called freedom. I actually wasn't sure whether... There, at first, I mean, it was so surreal. Mm-hmm. And, like, I knew it was a dream, you know, from the beginning, because he crawled out from underneath a pile of babies. So, you know, I figured dream. I forgot about that by the time his speech was going. <laughs> mm. 
That was very strange. That it reminded me of Hannibal. Remember that episode of Hannibal, Matt and Mel, where that guy wakes up naked, a- attached to a pile of naked bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he did wake up within his dream, so I can understand why you wouldn't have thought it was a dream. But I thought, but I they got surreal again. Like the radio went on and off, flicked on and off, and stuff while he was getting dressed and. And there were these other still surreal things that I'm like, okay, so he's still dreaming. And then he did his speech, and I was like, whoa, okay. And then at the end they said, oh, no, you're excommunicated or whatever, and he woke up. And I was really wondering whether we were, whether this guy was a mental patient. Mm. He still might be. Who had dreams of being Pope. You know, yeah, and he woke pope. up in a tiny, tiny, tiny bed. I'm like, is that what the Pope sleeps in? Probably. Well, they're supposed to be humble. And why they live in such Such a palace? I know. All that stuff. It's funny to me because when you look at the papal palace, in some ways it looks very uh, sparse, I guess. But in other ways, you see like the hint of opulence. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like they're trying to trick you into thinking that they're not opulent in a way, Mm -hmm. or that they'll just show their opulence when uh, when they need to. To make you see that they are powerful, you know. But it's also a museum, right? So yeah, which could is kind of stupid. Could well, I mean, if you lived in an art museum, you would. It's not your art. Mm. And it's also, a, I mean, it it was a fortress as well. I mean, it's it's been so many things over the centuries, and it's and the Catholic Church is not poor. Um, and there was a time when when they didn't feel the need to um, act as though they were. And they're frequently criticized for having all of this expensive yeah. stuff and saying, well, if you care so much about the poor, why don't you sell all of that and use the money to help people? But is is selling your religious artifacts and other artifacts and pieces of history to really wealthy people, is that a... A mm-hmm. good thing, consolidating more opulence yeah. in the hands of a small amount of people. Was it like, not? That's was not it a not, solution either. I don't think. Was it not Mother Teresa that was like, "Oh yes, like the poor, the poor," but then she was like abusing all the poor. Yeah, she was like, "What was she doing again?" She was like, she thought human suffering was like divine, so she like purposely made people suffer. Yeah, like they'd be like on their deathbed or something and she'd be like, No, you can't get medicine because like you have to suffer. But you then when feel the suffering. You have to feel the suffering. But then when when she was on her deathbed, she was apparently begging for medicine. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so nice lady. Yeah, well religious zealots can you know, can twist all kinds of things. When he woke up ways. Yeah. When he woke up from his dream and he and it was clear it was like a nightmare. I was like, "What part of it was the nightmare? Was it that he would say something like that and he doesn't actually believe that, or the, or that he got like punished for saying it?" <laughs> hmm. I think at that point I was still wondering whether we were in a delusion or not. I was I was like, it took me a while to to be clear that what was reality and what was dream um, and whether we'd actually come out of the dream. You know, it was, it was very surreal there at the beginning. And then, 
before I got on board with what was actually going on. I liked the three priests that fainted. I thought they were hilarious. <laughs> that was so cartoony. <laughs> it was very cartoony. I don't even remember that. When was that? It was right after he said that they'd forgotten to masturbate and oh, abortions oh, for everybody. Oh. And you saw these three priests go, oh, backwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then the sun comes out. And uh, uh-huh. glory yes. to the Pope. Uh-huh. They, in the second episode, they did... Uh, did the opposite of that. Yeah, in the second episode, he actually gives his address, and it does not go well, Enterprise, and it the the rain clouds start, it starts to rain, and everybody hates him pretty much. <laughs> so I he, hope everybody hates him. I'm sure that there uh, are some people who are just like, yes, let's you know. He's such an oddball, but he seems to want to cultivate uh, a mysterious image. And so mm-hmm. he uh, he wants to be hidden in shadow. And they, they want to see his face. Show us your face, Padre. And he's like, no, you shan't see my face. You don't deserve to see my face. Just concern what? yourself with God's face and your relationship oh, yeah. with God. And someone shines a green light on him. And he's like, how dare you put a light on your Pope? <laughs> it's the you most the insane thing. Me. Yes, it's the end of the I second episode. Me. What? It's, oh, yeah, it right. is batshit. Yeah. <laughs> It made me, it, honestly, it made me say, okay, I don't need to see the third episode. I'm, you know, this is way over the top. It's, I think it's fucking hilarious, and I want to see more. Yeah. Um, y- you know what I found? Kind of like, you think about the outfits that they wear, speaking of like the, what was it, the green light or whatever, like he was like hiding his face or whatever. What was up with the security detail? They looked like they were like jesters. Did you notice that? Yes. Oh no, the, you, you're talking about the um, the, the guards? guards, the guards, the Vatican yeah. guards, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's their costume. That's it's so it's left stupid. Over from medieval like times, imperial guards from Star Wars. It's just like um, if you see the uh, guards at the at the uh, uh, Tower of London and stuff, they've got a, a kind of you know interesting costume that they wear. They're dressed it's, like it's, JRPG characters. Mm-hmm. Like, if you could get that costume in Final Fantasy, you'd think it was too over the top. Yeah, exactly. No, but they're left over from medieval times. Yeah. Not the restaurant chain. <laughs> That's a restaurant? Medieval times? Yeah. Well, it was a what? thing. Yeah, it's, it's the one where they do the, the shows, like the jousting. Oh, the oh, oh, cable oh, guy. yes. It, the jousting, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Maddie, I feel like this... This uh, Pope character is right up your alley. Um, because of how wacky and like shitty he is to everybody. <laughs> Let's just feel like you like that kind of character. <laughs> <laughs> um, you always like the crazy like people that treat everybody like shit. <laughs> I do. Okay, I so. interesting <laughs> read. Um. I appreciate his wit. Yes. He he plays people in in a really awful way. Oh, yeah. But there's something very Interesting. elevated about that, that and yeah. how he does it. How he manipulates. It's not a good quality. No. no. But it makes him entertaining in a way. 
Interesting. Yeah. He's not dull. Yeah. No. Even his surrogate mother, Sister Mary, Diane Keaton, is, uh, he brings her into the Vatican. He employs her as his spy, tells mm-hmm. her, watch this cardinal, follow him around, report back to me, entrusts her with so much, loves her in a way, it seems, and she has affection for him. But then eventually when he learns that people are talking about her behind their her back and his back, saying that she's really like the power behind the throne, she's really the pope. He <gasps> turns on her in a scene oh. and says, I, did I ask for your opinion? Well, then be quiet, Sister Mary. Oh. Whoa. And it's, he's like a viper. Yeah. Even the woman that he is the closest to, he will turn on her if he feels his power in station threatened. It's really disgusting. He's really an awful person. I he don't... did that specifically in front of the person who he needed to impress with the fact that he was in charge. That's true. I mean, there was method to his madness, but it, you know, he could have explained it to her. He could have simply said, you know, I need to establish that I am Pope. I don't want you talking, using the we pronoun anymore when you're talking about us, and I'm going to say some kind of nasty things to you. So just be ready for it. And, you know, but he doesn't trust her that much. He doesn't trust anybody that much. Holy Father, now, about your homily, how would we like to proceed then? Later. And has the Holy Father already thought of some candidates for the delicate role of a special assistant? I have an idea. I do too. Monsignor Gemelli comes to My idea... Is Sister Mary. An admirable idea, Your Holiness, and completely understandable. Allow me to add, however, that unfortunately, the Curia has complex mechanisms which might seem like astrophysics. Therefore, the Holy Father's inevitable lack of experience, together with Sister Mary's inevitable lack of experience, would lead me to suggest an internal contribution. Of course, I realize how central Sister Mary seems to you. We could invent a sort of ad hoc role for her. We don't lack for imagination around here. Yeah. You're exactly right, Voyello. She's central. Sister Mary took me in at her orphanage when I was seven years old. She raised me and she loved me. She made me a good Christian. A great Christian. Monsignor Gemelli is experienced. I would rely on him. Perhaps you didn't hear me correctly. Perhaps, Holy Father, my English does have its limits. Well, you'd better improve it then. Sister Mary will be my special assistant. As you wish, Holy Father. I found his one-on-one conversations with people, with the other characters, really interesting. How so? Like, they, whenever he would talk, like, just just to watch the way he manipulated everybody mm-hmm. was really interesting. Like, just, like, a uh, guy in the red, I can't remember, the guy with the raisin on his face. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember his name. But, uh... <laughs> um... Like, that was really interesting. And then the guy that he confessed to and then was like, hey, you're going to tell me everybody else's confessions and how uh, just eager to please that guy was to him, I thought was very interesting. Just that he was like, like, you know, he he's like, he's like, oh, no, I could never. But but I mean, you are the Pope. So, yeah, I guess I'll tell you. And then when he tells him, like, oh, no, I don't actually believe in God. He's like. What? What? He's like, it's just a joke. And he's like, ah! It's like, what? Like, how? how <laughs> I'm the Pope, you? but I don't believe in God, JK. I totally how, do. How, how I don't think he does. How are no. you into him? I don't like, know how he got this far with all the, like, the risky uh, things he says and does. It's like, it's because he looks good. Maybe. I think it's partially uh, that, but it's also, yeah. I think, this is, he feels like he's in a position of power now. Mm-hmm. And that he can do all of this stuff, and most likely he was playing things. I mean, you kind of find out in the second episode that the that his mentor pretty much knows what an awful human being he is. Now, why the guy was mentoring him, you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, my guess is that a lot of this is that he knows that he's now in power ultimate power i mean he's been elected for life i don't know that there is a mechanism to get rid of him um other than murdering him yeah and nobody's gonna in this day and age like i don't think anybody would murder a pope um well after what he said and did actually i I mean it was like yeah there wasn't a, like an attempt, uh, an att- at least one attempt yeah. on like John Paul II's yeah. life. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's and this where guy, the he... came. <laughs> How do you know so much about assassinating popes, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Are we Are going Catholic? <laughs> Are we going back to the beginnings of uh, Mel's time on this podcast <clears throat> where she was very bloodthirsty? Yeah. She's mellowed over time, I think. That's right. I liked the scene in the garden. Well, they were outside anyway, with the African priest, where mm. all the cardinals were gossiping, like like the little mm-hmm. clucking hens that they are. And he was saying, "Well, what do you mean? Like you chose the pope? I mean, like didn't God? Isn't he like divinely in this position through like divine providence?" And they're like, "Bitch, please, we elected this chump, but we think we can control him." Yeah. But it wasn't just us. They really set up um, the guy Mel was talking about, whose name starts with a V. I guess he's the Secretary of State for the Vatican. Viola. That, Viola. That he actually, yeah, I keep wanting to say, you know, the, like or Valare or something. But yeah, Valare. <laughs> yeah. Valare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that's wrong. But um, uh, let's just say his name is Valare. <laughs> <laughs> but. He, um, they basically said he chooses the Pope, and this, but that they thought this guy could be controlled. I don't know why they thought he could be controlled. I mean, some of the stuff he said should be on record. The the thing about sending the guy to Alaska, um, that shouldn't be a big secret. Although he could have manipulated in such a way that the guy didn't want to talk about it. The naivety of you Africans is really touching. 
really believe that the Holy Spirit elects the Pope? We Africans, no. But we Catholics, yes. That is what we believe. Don't you, Ozolins? Well, the Holy Spirit is not stupid. But he's ironic and cunning. I don't understand. What he is trying to tell you is that here in the Vatican, the Holy Spirit is just another name for Boyello. Bernardo is 47 years old. That's young. Which means we won't live to see another Pope outside. Castaniceta, it's already a miracle that you have lived long enough to see this one. I'm not so sure that Boyello has shown good leadership this time. I have never really trusted Boyello myself. He's the devil incarnate. Spain, sir, would have been the right choice. Far too independent. And that wouldn't have been good news for us candidates. True. But all we have in exchange is a telegenic puppet. And that means that he can be manipulated. This is a masterpiece of Boyello's diplomatic cunning. The way he shepherded the cardinal's votes to Bellardo. Now Bellardo holds office. But Boyello is pulling the strings. And he'll run things the way we tell him. Yeah, it's tough to say at this moment, what, like when he was younger what sort of political games he played to get himself into this position. Because as he yeah, is now, you, you would find it it strains credulity to think that this sociopath was somehow able to gaslight everybody into thinking that he was a at least normal-ish person yeah, it's not and not psychotic. It's not, it's not believable through his <laughs> actions. Well, I mean, unless he you was know, completely... Uh, uh, docile and tame until he acquired ultimate power. I and think that's what it, I think that's what it is, and I think mm-hmm. that he was like because like uh, Carol, like you were talking about his mentor for a bit, and I don't know if you mentioned it already because you kind of cut out for like maybe like ten seconds, so I, we missed I part did? of that. But James yeah, Cromwell. you did. Like all of you guys cut out for some reason. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> um, like his mentor was all suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what did he do to him? Like, he obviously did something to him. There's no way he didn't because of how sociopathic he is. Yeah, in the, in the second episode, they they confront each other. Do they? Yeah. And was it something, did he do something? Well, he became Pope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes, folks. All it takes. You um, know, he, he just I'm keeps saying that, that it was, you know, I was supposed to be Pope. And- right. Oh, well, James was... Cromwell, he does say to Lenny, let's not forget that the Pope's name is Lenny. He says yeah. to Lenny, you don't love anything, or right. you've never known love, or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Like, yeah. like you're hollow, you're a hollow person. Mm-hmm. And that's such a scathing indictment of a human being to be basically say that you've never loved and you're loveless. Yeah. And he goes to he goes to his old mentor because he's desperate for someone who he kind of trusts in his own weird kind of way mm-hmm. to help him figure out what he's going to do as pope, really. 
He wanted this guy to be basically his second in command and, you know, help him figure out his papacy. Mm. And the guy says, no, you're on your own. You're alone. You've always been alone. You're, you know, you're a piece of shit. Not, not quite that, but, um, that close. And, and then he goes off and he does this, this crazy speech that, you know, when I said, I kind of decided I didn't want to watch it after the crazy speech because it was too over the top. I realized that's not really true. I think it's too on the nose to the kind of rhetoric that we've been hearing the equivalency in politics. And it's too on the nose for radical Christianity. Um, you know, fundamentalist radical Christianity, the, it's going back to the hell and damnation, you know, form of Christianity only in the Catholic Church. Mm. And um, remember, and they said they have five, uh, one billion, one yeah. fifth of the world mm. follows them. Yeah. Yep, yep, crazy. Yep, and he was preaching basically, um, you know, total, um, no, never thinking for yourself at all, total. Um, obeying uh, God, which of course would be the church, mm. um, and that if you don't do that, you are garbage, and you are not worth anything to anyone. And, Honestly, you know, but it's hard for me to believe he feels, he thinks anything about any way. The way that he seems to oh, in the yeah, second he's, episode, he's so like anti-merch. He's like, I don't want any plates with my face on them i don't want anyone to see me i don't want i want everyone's relationship to not be with the pope but to be with god but also i want all the gifts yes i want to keep that kangaroo he gets a kangaroo he gets a giant kangaroo he gets a kangaroo he's like no you're not going to give it to the what did he what do they call the the zoo but they had a name for it the, like the bio museum or something, something weird something like that yeah he's like no i'm going to keep that kangaroo like isn't that or, like or the biodiversity something or something like that. It was what? it was some fancy name that was the zoo. So is he vain and greedy or is he not? Or is he? I think he's. I think he's vain and greedy. Mm -hmm. I think just what you said a long time ago. You were talking about um, creating a mystique. I uh -huh. don't know if you used the word mystique, but I think I did. Um, yeah, and. You know, it's he's creating a mystification mm -hmm. so that he's that much more powerful. And so he's playing the long game for the big, big bucks. He's he's extremely vain. He's going for being worshipped, basically, and being extremely powerful and extremely rich by making it all about this mystery person even though he's talking god 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 mm -hmm. he's setting himself up as we all know in the catholic church the members of the church are regular people's um path to god you you know they're the ones who who interpret everything they're the ones who tell you what's going on you ask them for forgiveness you know to tell you how to get forgiveness, yada, yada, yada. So being the head of that whole organization, 
if he's talking about, you know, what God wants of you and God wants everything from you, everything, all the time, 24 mm-hmm. hours a day, seven days a week, he literally spelled it out that way. Mm-hmm. Then, you know that- then it's him that everybody is has to be listening to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's interesting, too, because, like, uh, a lot of, like, hardcore Catholics go to church every single day. Every single day. So when you say, like, God wants everything from you, (laughs) you know, every single day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some do. Some some it's prayer, prayer whatever on Wednesdays. Yeah, but some people go every day. Yeah. yeah. No, you're so, right. So, do we think that he's always been this way, or he was more subtle about it, or was there some other than just becoming pope? Was there some other triggering event that made him this way? I, my own opinion is that he's always been this way, but this way is manipulative and um, looking to the end game not not looking short term so he could have been manip i think he was probably manipulating people and appearing to be he knows what people want to hear so i think he's been telling people what they want to hear for a very yeah. long time and now he doesn't need to you know like from him like if he was born a sociopath and he became an orphan. Uh, it just goes to reason that he probably did not have the right uh, nurturing environment, maybe, mm-hmm. to uh, curb that sociopathic behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes can turn people into murderers, <laughs> you know? And in like, this case, it turned him up. into a pope. Yeah, exactly. Because he was raised in a Christian you know, things saying that this is, this is my dreams for you. Yeah. From Sister Mary. Sister Mary is a real enabler. Yeah. Well, and I wonder so- at what point she, she's going to maybe already regret molding this man. Listen to me, Lenny. Starting today, you have to lead the church. One billion people. One fifth of the world's population. Do you understand what I'm saying, Lenny? One billion people will depend on what you say and do. They will make important decisions, happy or sad, of life or death, in order to obey you in the name of God. All of this creates a new perspective, an immense perspective. Now, your personal aches, your enormous sufferings, your terrible memories, It's a harsh thing to say, Lenny, but I have to say it. They must take a back seat. They are things of this earth. Do you understand what I'm saying, Lenny? I know all your sorrows. I've lived with them together with you. I've wept over them with you. But now the time has come for you to let your sorrows fade. To become irrelevant, distant memories insignificant, vanquished, destroyed, and overpowered by the terrible responsibility that God has given you. 
From now on, you are no longer Lenny Bellardo, the fatherless, motherless boy. From now on, you are Pope Pius XIII, father and mother of the entire Catholic Church. Sister Mary, I mean, you figure that she took charge of at least two young boys and she made them both cardinals. And now she, now one of them has achieved the papacy. That is pretty interesting and kind of suspicious, <laughs> to be mm. honest. It's like, who, what the hell did she do? What are you do? saying? Are you saying she's Satan? <laughs> she probably is. Yeah, it's not something I really believe in, but um, it's, uh, but um, she in that world she is. Yeah, I I mean I'm looking at this lady and I'm thinking to myself, how did she manage to raise these two boys with both with this? I mean, becoming a cardinal is not. I easy. don't know. The other one seems kind of well adjusted, a little bitter, a little. You know, done with it. He's Lydia. no he's no Lydia. fan of Lenny's, but he seems to be. I mean, maybe he would have been just as bad if he were pope, but at least he's not. So he just kind of seems like leave me alone, Sister Mary. Listen here, you listen, you listen. No, you Diane listen. Keaton directed the worst episode of Twin Peaks, so in my eyes, she <laughs> is Satan. <laughs> really, she directed Twin Peaks: The Return. She did not. David Lynch is a. He is also in contention, uh, contending for the position of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched the Spanish series on HBO Max called Thirty Coins, and there's a lot of scenes that take place in the Vatican, and they're all under the thrall of Satan. Every last Are one of those really? priests. Yes. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, Satan worshiping priests in the vatican if you believe 30 coins which you shouldn't because that is a weird <laughs> show <laughs> i was sad we didn't get much of james cromwell <laughs> he's a delightful uh actor yeah just him trying to kill himself that's about it yeah yeah he's hmm. a, he's got that scene in the second um in the second episode with uh the pope I've liked him in anything I've seen him in, though. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, he actually did a production uh, in New Brunswick. Uh, it was about. Was it about a? It a was. A, it was a true story. It was about a guy that decided to build his dream home for his wife who for, had like dementia or something. Yeah, and uh, because he was built, he was milling his own lumber and any everything like it was not against code. So <laughs> they just the. Basically, the um, what would you call those people? The uh, I don't know, the, the code people. Inspector. Yeah, inspector. Yeah, the house house inspectors kept showing up and being like, "You can't do this. You're not allowed to build your dream home." Blah 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 blah. But he had the skill to do it, and he did it right. It just wasn't according. Like it wasn't stamped lumber. It wasn't you know like. Anyways, it just it wasn't. Was... Anyways, it was just like showing like his fight to build that home for his wife. It was a really good movie. Yeah. Based on yeah. a true story. And it was filmed here. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah, Zephyr Cochran. 
Star Trek connection. I think by the end of the second episode, I was convinced that the guy I initially didn't like, Moleface, was actually the hero of the story. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he could be. He's he's such a legacy guy. He's been there forever. He's part of the establishment. I would have every reason to think that he is the least progressive, most manipulative, gossipy queen out of all of them. But mm-hmm. he it seems to be genuinely decent in a way that Lenny and Sister Mary are not. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. that was interesting. At the very end, he what was it that he said? He said something about sacrificing himself to save the church. Wow. Something like that. Why would you want to do that? Wow. <laughs> I mean, why of why all of this as well? <laughs> we just watched a, a television pilot that took place of the criminal justice system. This horrible machine that ensnares you involuntarily and here's a machine that ensnares you voluntarily sort of an interesting yeah same sort of principle complex byzantine you know yeah i mean he's he's given his life to the church in one way or another which i mean there was a lot of interesting insights about um you know why did you you know join the church and there's um, I like the fact that you've got a really diverse group of people as far as why they were there. You know, you really got got an idea that, you know, some of them were really, really good, seemed like very good people. And some of them not so much. But there was a lot of different things going on with with each character. Let's just take him into Rome and get that raisin lasered off his face. <laughs> I really want... I was like, I'll pay for it. Really if I have to, I'll pay for it. I, I don't want to keep looking at that thing. <laughs> I was like, it's either a raisin or it's like a fly that just got squished on his face. And can we get him some internet porn? I'm a little concerned what he's going to do with that statue. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) Your eminence. Yes. Our top priorities. Here I am. As I was saying, you will be in charge of politics, finance, theology, appointments, and promotions. I will take care of worldly matters, travel, Adulation of the masses, celebrations. A most effective division of rules, Holy Father. Your Eminence. Yes, Blessed Father. I was just kidding. <laughs> that wasn't obvious? Hardly. Are you guys aware of what's happening in Canada right now? No. Oh, this is what it's been building to. First Nations children? Yeah, so basically yeah. a lot of... Uh, cities are canceling uh, Canada Day celebrations um, because they've discovered mass graves at uh, residential schools. So, Matt, you remember watching Inn of Green Gables? Remember oh, and the two ends? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, made me really upset. Yeah. I know. 
So anyways, um, and people are very upset about this, even though we knew, mm-hmm. people, like, this has been talked about for years, and it's almost mm-hmm. like, now that the discovery of bodies is happening, it's only now that people are like, oh, those children, those poor children, mm-hmm. but I'm like, this has been talked about for years, what's going yep. on with you people, why are you just upset now, you should have been upset about this before. Yep. And that's one of the more upsetting things to me yep. about that, and just that the Catholic Church was perpetuating this type of behavior is very upsetting. And the government. And the government. And that they probably, I don't think they'll be held accountable. I think I would like them to. Um, It's really upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just the whole thing is very upsetting. And just, to me, the fact that people are like, the children, which, yes, the children, I care very deeply about that, but also there have been women and girls going missing for a really long time, and nobody gave a shit about them. Mm-hmm. So that's very upsetting. The, what as what well. do they call the, uh, for the the men as well? The uh, Starlight Tours? Starlight Tours, where the cops would bring out uh, indigenous people out and leave them out in the cold, dead of winter, to die. Yeah. And yeah. that was the cops doing that. They would, yeah, they would just, yeah. Put, they would just arrest, the, like, you know, cuff yeah. them, say they were taking them back to the station wouldn't go there just drive out in the middle of the wilderness and then drop them off with like no winter clothes and stuff and then they freeze to death and nobody would uh be the wiser that (laughs) they were murdered and it's interesting too because um in my hometown uh there was it's very catholic where i'm from like it's like when i grew up it was like a hundred percent catholic like everybody Mm-hmm. Like I went to a public school, but still did catechism in the school. <laughs> oh wow! Like mm. yeah, uh, we did like we did uh, communion training like at school. Like we oh, did yeah. our first confession at the school. Like I remember all of this. Wow! Um, and uh, it came out in recent years that we had like uh, an arena named after a priest that was very involved in the uh, the the town and it came out that he had abused several children back in the sixties. And so it was this big, um, this big scandal. And then they decided to rename the arena, but people were just really speaking out about how, like why that happened, how people let that happen, how they were told to keep quiet because it's the, it's a priest. You don't talk bad about priests. They don't do anything bad. Um, well, didn't you say it was the goal of like every family to get somebody in the priesthood? Yeah. So in my yeah. status, in sake. my in my grandmother's family, she had a brother who was a priest, and uh, he was very well regarded because he was a priest. It's not because he had a great personality. I remember, right. I remember going to his cottage and just looking through his books, and I saw like someone gave him a book, and it said, "Oh, uh, uh, like their family name was Perel." And, uh, the, like, the little inscription said, oh, to the holiest of the Perels. It's like, what? What? <laughs> like, that was stupid to me. And, um, but anyways, it's kind of telling from that, that my, t- my hometown was one of the very first ones to cancel Canada Day celebrations. <laughs> so it's really telling because of that connection with the Catholic Church, you know? And how negative it is. So, sorry, what is Canada Day supposed to celebrate? 
like, the inception of Canada Day, I guess. It's it's our July Fourth. It's our yeah yeah, and that's which it's it's we're basically just celebrating colonializing can like Canada like yeah. the land, uh-huh. which is really shitty. <laughs> but for for me at least, it's a little a little hard to do that. Yeah, and it was hard for me think to think of all all those things that Mel just mentioned. Plus, yeah, the mm-hmm. most more recent things of the. 250 dead children at this residential school, the 750 uh, this at this just, school. This news, the discovery yeah. of the bodies just came out in recent months. And last year, I remember because I had read up on this quite a bit, I was just really mad on Canada Day. I didn't really even want to be celebrating anything. And this year, even less so. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Thanks it- for listening. <laughs> Okay. Well, actually, I was just explaining this to my son in the car um, mm. earlier. Mm. He had read some of the stories, and I had posted something about um, from an indigenous site that that uh, I've I follow um, about. Uh, there are 365 um, residential Indian schools in the United States, mm. or there have been, and they, this group posted a list of all of them by state. Um, and with the ones in bold still operating. And, uh, and at the end was the, um, survivors, family and survivors hotline, um, to, to call because investigations are starting to finally happen here. Mm. Uh, after the the Canadian, you know, findings, yeah. and I think they they did find something, you know, at one of the schools now, and mm. and you know, you think about the fact that there's 365 of them, mm. one for every day of the year. Um, Jesus, yeah, there's like 70 some of of them just in Oklahoma, which mm. used to be called the Indian Territory. Um, and, uh, you know, as you say, Mel, these stories have been going for so long mm. and, you know, a lot of this forcible taking kids forcibly out of homes, you know, was only, they only stopped, well, started stopping to do it, if that makes mm. sense. Uh, like in the 1970s mm-hmm. and my son was like, well, are they still doing it? And I said, they're mm. not supposed to be doing <laughs> it. They're doing it in different ways. Exactly. You know, for the longest that. time, it was justification for the existence of these organized religions because they have these schools and these orphanages. Mm-hmm. And it's like, see the good we're doing? If not right. for us, where would these kids go? And it's right. like, I'm sure we could think of something other no, than this. They would, say, they would say, where would these savages go? What would they be? It's for their own good, Mal. Didn't you know that? how to be people. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? is wrong with like what is well, wrong they, with them yeah i mean they were very clear about what they were trying to do they were trying to destroy you know indigenous culture and uh it was you know back then they didn't think that they needed to sugarcoat it in any way or anything like that and uh happily now they need to sugarcoat it but they're you know but they're still doing so many different things and and people are like oh how come you know these uh native americans they you know are first nation people whatever you know however we want to look at it um 
how come they're not willing to, you know, get this help or that help? Well, because help was not what they were really getting most of the time when they were told that it was help. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to help you by taking your children away from you, whether you like it or not, and sticking them in a residential home far away from you so you do not see them until they're grown up and they don't remember their language anymore and they don't, you know, they barely remember who you are. While we were all talking, I was looking up Mother Teresa and there was a good quote that she wasn't a friend of the poor, she was a friend of poverty. She liked poverty and keeping people impoverished meant keeping them in the church. Bitch. Right? It's a bit like... I mean, a psychiatrist or psychologist is supposed to want a patient to get better. Mm-hmm. And God yeah. knows there's no shortage of people who need psychiatric help. So it shouldn't matter uh, yeah. if somebody gets help and doesn't need your services any longer. But it is like, if I can keep you on the string and I can keep you needing something, then you're really indebted to me. And it's you'll stay part un- of our church. The most unhealthy thing ever. Like, if you, if ever someone's therapist tells them, Oh, like tells them like no, you need to keep seeing me. Like you need to change therapists because that's not okay. That's not they're obviously fucking with you in some way. Unless you're psychotic, yeah, kill a bunch of people or something. My parents are part of a Protestant religion, and Mm -hmm. they have on their refrigerator a photograph of this Mexican girl (laughs) that they've sponsored Mm -hmm. through their church. And they're very proud of that they've gone to Mexico and visited this mission and this Mm. school, Mm -hmm. that their church sponsors this school. Mm. And I've never pressed them on this, but I've I've wondered, like, how many strings are attached to this? Mm -hmm. This is the money that you're giving them. It's very clearly a Christian school. If every kid in that school and every parent of every child in that school said, guess what? We don't want to be Christian. Are are the funds going to dry up? Me thinks they would. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, interestingly enough, what you were saying about Mother Teresa and the poverty and everything, that's what, not to get too political, and I don't what want to What have we been doing for the last 30 minutes? Too far around. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we lost the, the young pope like 30 he, minutes ago. We left him in the Vatican. We are, we are he, far beyond the young pope. The... <laughs> The American Republican Party has been accusing the American Democratic Party. Oh, yes. I was going to say that, too. That's been one of the things that they've been accusing the Democrats of, of perpetuating poverty to make people, you know, that's what, you know, welfare and food stamps and all of that just perpetuate poverty. Yeah, this is true because, you know, dead people aren't poor anymore. And, you know, if you, like, before these social programs, people would just die of starvation and so mm-hmm. forth. Therefore, you know, yeah, you you might still be poor if you're on food stamps and welfare. You're certainly not going to get rich off it. But the alternative of having nothing is um, is not going to help make you rich. I'm, it's like, I'm sorry, but which parties for infrastructure packages and right. collective bargaining so that people right. can have jobs and better themselves? Yes, but you, shut yeah. up, Republicans. 
Right. <laughs> well, you know, the Republican Stop being Party, wrong about everything all the time. Well, giving away... Stop, I'm going to stop saying Republican Party and say the conservatives, which admittedly the Republicans have become truly far-right conservatives in general, but historic Republican Party we're not talking about, we're talking about right now. And the conservatives right now, you know, are basically saying, well, um, but it's up to the businesses. You know, you have to do everything so the businesses can do whatever they want to do. And that's the only way people will have jobs because all the businesses will die. And, of course, historically, conservatives have said that about absolutely every major change in the law, 40-hour week. Uh, ending child um, child labor, um, all these different things they said were going to destroy business, and and every single one of them has helped the economy each time instead because people live better, they can make more money, they can spend more money, the economy is better. Children can go to school, they're better citizens. You know, but that's not the world we're living in right now. And I think this, I think this Pope um, show that we just were watching, bring us back, <laughs> take us back. Yeah. Bring us back. Turn that Pope mobile around. <laughs> is actually kind of a reflection on what our country is going through in many ways and the world, because there is a lot of fascism, you know, that's an authoritarianism that's going on all in countries all over the place. And so it's probably, this show is probably related to that and using the Catholic Church and a renegade pope. Mm -hmm. Where have I heard that phrase before? Or at least that adjective, I mean, to, to do a, a similar parallel, uh, to what's going on in, in a lot of politics around the world. Certainly in the United States. Not knowing your taste, Your Holiness, we took a liberty of preparing a little of everything. Didn't anyone tell you I don't eat much? Hardly anything, in fact. All I have in the morning is a cherry Coke Zero. We will get some right away. What's your name? Domino, Holiness. I'm Your Holiness, this Major Domo. Do you know what Doman means? One who belongs to God. Precisely, so by transitive property, you belong to me. How did you sleep, Your Holiness? I had an amusing dream. Cardinal Oza Lynch, Cardinal Aguirre was slapping each other, and I said the most outrageous things to the crowd in St. Peter's Square. Well then, I'll wait here for my Cherry Coke Zero. In the meantime, would your holiness care for regular diet coke? Let's not utter heresies, Doman. It's death to settle for things in life. I didn't know what this show was going to be before I started watching it. I knew it was about the first American Pope. But I guess I had it in my head that he was going to be some sort of progressive out to reform the Catholic Church and like bring its secrets to light and... Turns out it's it's almost like the Catholic Church is 
fine. It's really this this guy who's a sociopath and thinks he's a celebrity, mm. and it's about celebrity culture, and it's not about the church. It's not what I expected. You know what's funny is that my son and I, I had no idea what this was going to be about. I didn't even remember what the name was until I looked it up to watch it uh, last night. But I, wa- I was watching it, and my son came in the room, and I said, well, this is really interesting. And he said, what? I said, well, remember the conversation we had yesterday? I think it was either Friday or Saturday morning about what would happen, what it would take to have an American pope. Well, I'm watching a show about the first American <laughs> pope. And we were talking about how, you know, all the stuff about the American um, bishops coming together to vote on whether uh, Biden and other political um, politicians who were pro-choice should be refused communion uh, in, uh, in the Catholic Church. And... And the fact that the Pope in Italy actually was against them taking this vote and against them bringing up this this whole thing. And we got on the subject of how the American Catholic bishops and, in general, American Catholic Church has been kind of a rebel among the Catholics, but not very often not in a good way, sometimes in a good way. Um, American Catholics very often do what they damn well please. I think that like, for like America to ever have a Pope that's American, they would need a ton more Catholics in the population. I think America is just not Catholic enough. I think they would probably choose a Pope that is from a really intensely Catholic region. Such as the recent Pope from South America, you know, like, South America is pretty dang Catholic overall, so. Or the church would want to pivot towards something more progressive. Yeah. No, they would never. The Hispanic population in the United States is growing faster than any of the other um, ethnic groups. True. Um, So, who knows? Yeah, but uh, well, it's going to take a long way for Catholics to... It, Mel, I was also raised in an extremely Catholic neighborhood. I was one of the few people who was not Catholic. Interesting. In my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, when my brother told me that uh, most of the country was Protestant, I thought... <laughs> you were shocked. I thought he was joking. I was like, oh, come on. There's that's no not way. true. You know, the whole world is Catholic except us. Yeah. And uh, he was like, no, no, actually, most of this country is Protestant. We just happen to live in a very Catholic neighborhood. Um, our town was pretty much, either, you were either Catholic or you were Jewish. Mm. And then there were a few of us scattered, you know, wishy-washy, culturally Protestant people who, you know, may or may not be going to church ever. But, I had... Uh, we had an interesting kind of uh, break. Like growing up, I was we went to the Catholic church. It was very Catholic, but then my mother got sick and she had a brain tumor. And oh. I think during that time, uh, she kind of was more, I guess, vulnerable. And then people in the town, some of them were her, were her friends. Obviously, they were like, "Oh, you should try 
you should come to our church. You should. So she ended up converting to a Protestant church instead. And, but my dad stayed behind and still remained Catholic until like really recently he started going to my mom's church. But interesting. Yeah. It was like that. Like we basically had to choose kind of choose sides. It was really Mm -hmm. weird. Like, I don't think there was, I don't, I don't recall that any other kids, uh, my age had to do, like, I don't remember hearing of other kids, uh, having that dilemma. It's funny because I actually have known kids that had that, that only it was usually, um, Catholic and Jewish yeah, or Protestant and Jewish or Jewish and whatever. Yeah. She got pulled into one of those intense churches that like, chants and throws their hands up into the air and feels the spirit and all that oh. and talks, <laughs> talks in tongues no no it's, talks talks. Yeah. it's not that bad it's not that bad but uh <laughs> but yeah they just prayed on her during her like yeah. her weak point in her life and she credits god with her recovery instead of the doctors <laughs> uh, yeah uh, oddly enough when my mother got really got um older um she probably wasn't into dementia yet she may have been starting i don't know yeah Uh, it's hard to say Mm -hmm. when that happened but as i've said before she was a singer and she spent a lot of time singing in churches which is why she had no use for organized religion because she saw it from the you know being told to enter by the servant's entrance and you know right she just saw how the sausage was put together and realized that they were all pretty much the same you know mm-hmm. she's she sang in catholic churches and and she sang high holy days and in, in jewish temples and she did you know she anybody who'd hire her mm-hmm. and so she, and she you know and all of that well when she was older interestingly enough because she one of the people that she picked up in a supermarket and took under her wing which was normal for my mother, um, was Catholic and she started taking him to a Catholic church. She ended up singing with the choir in the Catholic church and she started going to the Catholic church all the time. Hmm. She became very active in this Catholic church with, you know, everybody knowing that she was not Catholic Mm -hmm. and she had no, you know, she had no spiritual anything, but she liked the music. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, a lot of That's people so join church because they like the music. Yeah. She knew all the music, you know, so yeah. it was, you know, if they had good music and, and they were nice people and they were nice to her. So, um, the, uh, the priest used to say that apparently say that, uh, she was their, um, small C Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, so it was odd that my mom ended up you know, in her last days of freedom it's, before she became incapacitated, going the, to a Catholic church. It's like, the, like you know, how you call your your church like a fellowship. It's it yeah. is. That's what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking mm-hmm. for like a a connection with people. And I yeah. really can't blame people for like wanting that in their lives because a lot of people are lonely. So. It's funny because I... I, I want that too. But yeah, I wanted, who doesn't? I want it on Xbox Live. I want someone to play <laughs> Destiny 2 with. It's pretty much the same. Well, you know, that, is your, that is your church, Matthew. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I think people are looking for two things. They're looking for community. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for answers. 
I actually I actually ran into uh, this was back when I was in college. I used to take the bus to commute from city to city to come home to visit my family to visit Matt and uh, (laughs) I ran into this lady that went to my mom's church and I wasn't going to church really anymore at the time and um, we just got to talking and she ended up oddly enough just admitting to me that she didn't truly believe in God she was just going there for the people because the people were so nice and i was like what yeah. like that was just so huh? to me that was so shocking because like they they really pushed the god thing oh, at sure. my mom's church you know really strongly yeah. and to, for her to say that i that really kind of opened my eyes to you know the reasons people go to church which yeah, everybody needs something different yeah exactly Some people just yeah. like stale cookies <laughs> Oh, Matt. Oh, geez. There was was a woman at our fellowship who (laughs) we had, we would have coffee hour after the service every time. And they always tried to organize it. It never worked out, but they always tried. And she was this older, little tiny older woman. And she would get up there and say, if someone, if people don't sign up for coffee hour, you're going to be stuck with Pathmark cookies. (laughs) <laughs> Pathmark being the local supermarket oh and it was just like and all a lot of us were like Pathmark cookies aren't so bad well after <laughs> on Sunday because my parents made me go to church after church or Sunday school was Fellowship Hall when they brought out the coffee and the cookies and they were always the Art. worst tasting cookies <laughs> oh that sucks it was I mean I hated everything about going to church <laughs> they, they yeah. And I hated going to high school because I went to a Catholic high school, which is ironic because my dad hates Catholicism. And I spent the first year at that school being so confused by what people were doing. <laughs> what? Why did they send you to Catholic school? They sent me to Catholic school because my um, godparents' son went to that school. And they thought it was a very good school. Quote, uh, we thought it was a very good school. And Toledo's a very Catholic town. Yeah. And it's just one of the it's the, the one of the schools that you hear about in the news all the time. Because of their football team or their you know, their sports or their whatever they're doing. It, it's just there is a culture around it, and I think my mother in particular got swayed by the culture uh-huh. and was like, Well, it's convenient to us as well and it's a private school so you don't have to go to a public school but it's not a private like really expensive school it's not mommy <laughs> valley country day school or <laughs> my friends went it's damn uh it. damn it mom <laughs> it's catholic school and it was it was very strange so man you're gonna Matt, a this. friend of mine who is supposed to be catholic had a son and he hadn't been dealing with the Catholicism of the family at all. And he went to public school and for kindergarten. And then there was a big hullabaloo and a big problem. And he ended up sending, having to send him to Catholic school for first grade. And the kid came home after the first day and said, Dad, you'll never believe it. They got this great place there with, with benches 
and you'd sit down and they sing songs and it basically is going on and on huh. about this. And my friend was like, I could just imagine what the nuns must think. This kid going like, whoa, look at this place. Well, <laughs> at least he had a good reaction. Mine was confusion. I Legitimately, when we had the first mass and I saw the kids doing the little signs that they do, the little yeah. cross yourself, but it was more yeah. than that. It was a lot more than that. Yeah. It was like so, signals catchers give to pitchers uh, in baseball <laughs> games. It was so, and they all knew how to do it. Every day, Matt. Right. No. Well, what? they, no. Enjoyed, they already week? had their first communion by then, and everything. Probably. I, I mean, oh, I mean, this was high school, so they were all yeah. pros at it, and they all yeah. knew the signs, and they all knew all the the routines, been and going through catechism for years. And I was like, "What the fuck are you people doing?" Mm-hmm. And, you and see, then the I ashes see. on the forehead on Ash Wednesday. I was uh-huh. like, what the hell's on your forehead? Has like, hey, you got dirt on, on your Fridays forehead. And it, fish on Fridays, yes. Sure. sure. Oh, it was a nightmare. It you was know, a walking nightmare. It's yeah. so funny because Matt, I knew about all of that stuff because all my friends in my neighborhood were all going to Catholic school. I was. There were like three of us that were going to public school. So I would, if we were playing and stuff, first of all, I let them know right away, I'm not doing the, you know, they would make like in tag, it's like, okay, you get to the post and you do a, um, you know, you cross yourself. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then they would have some kind of, you know, playing school and it would end up playing catechism. And I'd be told how stupid I was because I didn't know that, you know, whatever, had you know little thing and we always had the kids coming in on ash wednesday with ashes on their foreheads and you know it was like it was such a catholic area and such a jewish area i was so actually i was really jealous of the other kids because when i were in grade school it seemed like every other day either the jewish kids or the catholic kids had a day off for some religious (laughs) holiday and i was like what about me you know, I never get a day off except, you know, <laughs> Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter. Well, Easter. Which we had, you've, you know, you, know. you borrowed that, too. That's kind of theirs also. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they gave us that. But, you know, it was just like, literally, it just seemed like if it wasn't a Jewish holiday, it was a Catholic holiday. And, you know, the kids were off doing something. It was like, really? Well, guys? nobody ever made me put ashes on my head. Nobody ever made me do a confessional. Thank I did have goodness. to go to Mass, but I never um, really thought about asking to opt out. I suppose I could have. You could have. But I don't... Th- I never pushed it. Because I was also, like Nasir from the night of, really just yeah. like, a- afraid to ask permission or to... to right. Like, uh, waiting for somebody to do something for me or an advocate for me because I didn't have the vocabulary to ask for things myself and just sort of went along with stuff, trusting that everybody else who was an adult knew better than I did Mm -hmm. when I really should have put my foot down about some things and said, I don't want to go to this school, but I (laughs) was rather than say that I would just be miserable every day. But it's hard for, it's hard for a kid. You're going to a school with a bunch of people that you don't really know. So it's like a big group setting. If you speak out, you don't know what those other people are going to say or do. Or I should have gonna, learned you know. not to care. 
Yeah, but I, I think know, I cared and wanted too much for people to like me, and I didn't want to make trouble. You know, I was no, too much of a right. rule follower. I, I should have been. Sure. It wasn't until senior year where I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get out what? of here soon. I don't have <laughs> to. I can skip out on this and Whoa. leave." You know, that's when yeah. I realized I could do that. But for like the longest that. time, I was like trapped. But I you didn't. know what it was? Anyway. It's because their power grip was like was uh they you know they were losing their power grip on you because you were soon getting out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was I feel like you're getting older and realizing that, that I didn't you know that people who said that they knew things didn't quite know how things work. I started to get very angry about a lot of things and. But some of that was related to the insular nature of Catholicism in Toledo, Ohio, which is, uh, I heard it once referred to as Little Boston, but I'm not sure if that's something that actually is, was ever said other than the one place I read it. But these, there's like a whole, it's almost like farm leagues in baseball. It's like there's the Catholic elementary schools and primary schools and then Catholic middle schools and then Catholic high schools. And you just grow up with the same people and they have interest intramural uh catholic mm-hmm. sports teams and mm-hmm. all the churches yep. and they all they all kind of like clustered mm-hmm. and and knew each other and protected each mm-hmm. other and that's where uh, i realized you know like nepotism was happening and people were, were mm-hmm. protecting other people who misbehaved and you realize like whose parents had money and anyway mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, how long have we yep. been talking and we haven't been talking about the show which is what the two listeners we have came paid to see it doesn't matter yeah. because what we're talking about is really important, and it's really important that these things are said and that our experiences are spoken of. Yeah, there you go. Okay, justified. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not talking about justified. Though I think that's a series that would make a really good. Podcast. Yeah, maybe we should cover that. But instead, we just we're doing this. <laughs> you agreed to it three years yes. ago, and you're uh, you signed your name in my black book. And I have you forever. <laughs> I wanna I wanna put it out there that if anybody's had a, a shitty experience with a Catholic church, write in. <laughs> yeah, you could have sent feedback. <laughs> send us even no, send us feedback for the next episode. We will read it. Oh I yeah. It. Oh I sure. offer to read it. As before we started, we were talking about the fellowship I belong to. Well, actually, interestingly enough, a lot of people that come into the you know the religion that I deal with um, are fallen Catholics or people ah. who've had very bad experiences either with Catholicism or fundamentalist Protestant Christianity. Wow. So. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that they got, you know, had a it, bad experience, but I like that they got away from that bad experience. Yeah. It can actually make it kind of, you know, tricky sometimes because it's like, is anybody is anybody triggered by Christmas? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, mean, yeah, like right? I I like Christmas. I you know I'm I enjoy you know lights and trees and 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 stuff and music. But um, you know I don't necessarily go in for the rest of the stuff. But uh, but some people are get very you know like no we must not do any of these and it's like lighten up lighten up. Well. You're out now. You're free. <laughs> I I have a I have a really complicated relationship with Christmas. I'll just say, and I I hate it 
but I like it at the same time. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's. I prefer Halloween. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I no, don't like I, any holidays. The devil's holiday. And it's <laughs> not even a holiday. Samhain is really fun. Anyway, go on. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just don't like people in costumes. And boy, it. were there people in costumes in this episode of The Young Pope. There were. Lots of... Speaking speaking of that, I saw a guy one Halloween wearing a Pope costume, and it was the most amazing costume A Pope ever. costume? It had the people staff and everything. It was just... Oh, I like, should wow. find... Oh, I don't have that photo album with me. It's in my parents' house in Arizona. But when I lived in Australia and... Uh, I went to Mardi Gras, and I didn't realize it was gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. There were some uh, uh, people, gay men, maybe they were transvestites, but they were dressed as priests in nice. a parade. Yeah, I wish I could have... I love it. <laughs> I had that photo. Just, uh, uh... Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dressing up like the Pope be cultural appropriation? I don't know. Nah. Would it be cultural... Appropriation. Oh. oh, oh! You're gonna cut all this out, right, Matt? No, it's all in here. Oh well. Okay. So <laughs> Too much back, work to cut it out. Getting back to um, the young pope. I inquired about you. Everyone tells me you are a shining example of goodness. Uh, I thank you for believing them, Holy Father. It is I who should thank you. For allowing me to be here without hordes of tourists. It's my duty, Holy Father. Was it hard? Close off the basilica to tourists? No. All we had to do was hang up a sign saying closed. <clears throat> I will never shed my aversion to tourists. Why is that, Holy Father? Because they are just passing through. Let's read feedback. We haven't heard Matt in forever. Matthew, How about Matt? Back. He oh, he's a long time away. ago. Jeez. You're a part of this podcast. You're one of the he's pillars. Rummaging, he's rummaging through his, uh, his books. <laughs> He's trying to find uh, information to add to this podcast. Yeah, really. Well, Such already, as. Such as I already said my uh, thoughts on the Catholic Church. You love it. They're they're, they're mostly your thoughts, but. <laughs> hey, you stole my thoughts. I yeah, don't like I that. Did you put it here already? Yeah. yeah this is okay. feedback from Harold. Aww. Okay. I'm having a hard time getting my head around this one. Who was this made for exactly? <laughs> Seems to me. To be a narrow audience, the people who care about the Catholic Church yet wish it would be would modernize, modernize, modernize. <laughs> oh, I'm regretting having you read this feedback. <laughs> Let me take over. <laughs> its beliefs and become something entirely different. Who also want to see a show starring Jude Law as an obnoxious American named Lenny? That's their audience. <laughs> this show would be a lot more interesting to me if the young Pope wasn't such a mustache-twirling devil figure. Uh, I would have preferred the show to have been more about a more realistic person who maybe has some doubts but can't admit them, or has to navigate the conflicts between his religious teachings and the real world, and or the bureaucracy... Can't say that word either. Bureaucracy. Bureaucracy of the church. Hey, Matt. Yes. You should put on your radio voice for this. What? I have a radio voice. Yeah, you do. You know, 
You know what it is. Oh, you're talking about when I do ads for work? Yeah. I don't do those in a single take. (laughs) (laughs) They require heavy editing. Can you do at least the last part in your radio voice? Just this very last, like the rating. Different from my regular voice, but no, it it is. I also just couldn't get over thinking that in order to get into this position, Lenny would have had to have spent nearly his entire life in and around the church, studying and doing daily prayers and participating in rituals. You just can't do all of that without it becoming an essential part of your life. And it is totally unrealistic that Lenny could have moved up the ladder of the Catholic Church under the constant scrutiny that a potential pope gets, without anyone realizing that he's a complete asshole and not the pliable puppet they think he is. Plus, Lenny would have had to have spent his whole life uh, sublimating his personality and doing all the political things he would have needed to do to gain support and backing in order to become Pope. But we never saw that side of him. It also just seems like a whole lot of effort just to be able to boss people around and make them fetch his chair at Coke Zero. <laughs> if that's all he wanted, he could have just gotten an MBA and become a CEO. Oh. True. Mm. Or find a partner who was really into that. <laughs> it would have been so much easier and a lot more obtainable than becoming Pope. No. Uh, I give this five unwritten homilies out of ten. Now, <laughs> now get me to my cafe. No, wait. Oh, now, now get me my cafe americano. I don't know. Mm, I, don't know. I can't speak. <laughs> you need several takes. I do too when I do ads. So, I think he's just trying to set it up so you won't ask him again, Matt. Yeah, th- that's it. I <laughs> uh, I mean the part where. Harold says, well, it's totally unrealistic that Lenny could have moved up the ladder under constant scrutiny without anyone realizing he is a complete asshole and not pliable. And I think of a certain president we just had and got Uh rid of, a narcissistic sociopathic who somehow, despite the scrutiny of his all of his affairs and the way he's treated women, and all the racist things he's done, and his failed businesses. Like, there was a ton of scrutiny. Still got to the top of the ladder. So... And, and he's saying all these other things, like like the MB- like getting it, getting an MBA and becoming a CEO. You see that all the time. People just like... Well, Trump did that, and it wasn't enough. Yeah, but I, like, it's not just Trump, it's other people, too. I like, mean, does, did everybody in the... Not everybody, but were there enough people in the church that thought, oh... He's he's the devil we know, like he'll bring us up with him or he's really is that good of a of being a two face or or they just wanted something different. They were just tired of the same old popes. They wanted they wanted to like shake things up. He says it like it is. Or are well, we gonna find that, out that, that at some that point is not considered a good thing in the Catholic I, Church. I wonder if at some point something changed in him, like something snapped in him and he was a lot more moderate. And then, I don't know, like a railroad spike went through his head and he had a personality change at the last minute. And that's why he's this bad. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I agree with uh, Harold that it would have really helped to have. I mean, I don't know whether those flashbacks continue and fill in that very thing. Because, you know, we had the flashbacks back to him being a child. And 
you know, Sister Mary and all of that saying how, you know, she went through all his trials and tribulations with him and yada, yada, yada. So I don't know whether they would give flashbacks through the rest of it to fill in the gaps. But, I mean, you know, we spend quite a bit of time talking about that very thing. And understandably, it, yeah, you know, we're not it, sure. it, it is a big problem. Yeah, he just seems so unrealistic as a as a character. Like he shouldn't exist in reality. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole I thing mean, might be just it's a farce. Like the entire thing's a farce. So yeah. we're looking for realism right. when the creator and director of the of the entire enterprise is saying, "Well, it's a farce. Like it's not supposed to be realistic. It's it's exaggerated to the umpteenth degree and you either get on board or you don't. I mean, yeah. I do think it's more interesting to have a character who I who I maybe his personality I I d- detest, but I find that I can agree with him on social or political issues. Mm-hmm. For example, if he really was in favor of contraception and masturbation and abortion <laughs> and homosexuality, but he's not. Because he's an empty no. vessel. He doesn't mean anything he says. Mm. But how much more interesting would it be if I hated him, his personality, and the way he demeaned people, but I was like, agreed with him, and I wanted him to, him to succeed from, for my own reasons. Like that would make me feel conflicted, and that would be a compelling thing to watch. But I hate him, soup to nuts. I despise him. Yeah. He is entertaining though. Now, they did mention a couple times that he got by because he was, uh, he's good to look at. I and, suppose. Well, Jude Law is a handsome. Eh, no, sorry, Jude Law. But, uh, I, uh, he the just way looks that like he, Phil Collins to me. <laughs> the way that he played people and would say, oh, well, okay, yeah. here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna handle all of these things, and then I'm gonna do these things. Does that sound good to you? Just kidding, you're, that's not happening. <laughs> or yeah, no, how he, he made this guy go get him a coffee. Or he told him all about this button, and then he pressed the button. Like, he's such a... He's so... Oh, yeah. Cool. He's like El Swearingen without... Like, at least I like El Swearingen. Mm-hmm. But he has that he same kind cares. of... He's got a little bit of cheekiness to him, which I find a little amusing. But he actually cares. I think Al was Al was a good person, really, really deep down, and yes. this guy is, as we said, a sociopath. Let's find yeah. out what Stephen has to say. Am I reading it? Or yes. Is Carol reading it. Oh yeah, uh, I am. you read it. Okay. <clears throat> My least favorite element of the episode is the opening dream sequence, <laughs> which continues on for the first twelve minutes. Not a great way to start off a new series. Conversely, my favorite sequence is the conversation between the young Pope and Cardinal Voyello. Ah, that's the name. What was the name we had chosen again? Volare. Volare. Okay, I'm going to call him Cardinal Volare. Between the young Pope and Cardinal Volare, which lasts 11 minutes. I love how the Pope subverts Volare at every turn, providing, oh no, sorry, proving just who truly the master is the master manipulator but the real standout and this episode's most valuable player is awarded to cardinal uh, uh, valare's mole 
This cheeky, atypical, atypical, atypical. <laughs> I'm fired! I'm fired! <laughs> Are you firing me? Uh, atypical, uh, Nevi? Nevi? What is that? What is that word? I looked it up. It means a birthmark or a mole in the skin. Oh! I'm gonna say racist. It's the plural of Nevis. Nevis is Nevis? the singular noun. I'm gonna say this cheeky, atypical raisin is <laughs> not present on actor Silvio Orlando, which means there was a purposeful decision by production to include the distinctive facial feature. According to the show's head of makeup, he worked with a sculptor to create more than 20 prototypes of different... <laughs> wow, that is incredible. Sizes, shapes, and colors before deciding on a final design. But why? Does the mole represent the slightest imperfection on a man so intent on control and order? Or more sinisterly, is the mole a witch's mark or devil's mark, a permanent seal of Satan, indicating the cardinal's obedience and service to the evil one? And there's I don't a source. Think so. <laughs> there's a source from Slate.com. <laughs> and then the picture of the article is like a picture of Cardinal Volare mm-hmm. with like arrows pointing to the raisin yeah (laughs) and the title of the yes and the title of the slate article is holy moly oh no it's not (laughs) oh yes it is i'll put the link to that in the show notes that is just unfortunate and he gives the the series what rating and steven rated it uh five out of ten piles of naked babies (laughs) thank you steven I think the mole is supposed to be something that he could easily have removed, but chooses not to because he's not vain. Yeah. Based on the second episode, I'm I'm more convinced that he is the hero of the show. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. We also saw him tending to a handicapped kid, which is like real shorthand for yeah. He's a good guy, but even before that, I started to get the just this feeling that this real insider guy is actually legitimate, a legitimate believer. And uh, I want to say that the mole is something that he chooses not to remove. So do you think that when he he was like when the Pope asked him hey, get me an American coffee and he was like he was about to ask the other guy to do it and then he's like, no, I want you to do it. And then he's like, my pleasure. Do you think he was being sincere about saying, oh, it's my pleasure to serve your holiness? No. <laughs> I don't think he likes the young Pope at all. No. Why uh, would you? But. He's not very likable. I mean, he's playing a political game, too, but. Yes. And it could be that there's no hero in any of this. But I started yes, to think yeah. that he was. So well, it could, could turn. Almost like, it could be almost like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, and he's the ugly? Because you know. of his <laughs> deformity? <laughs> I wasn't that. Uh, but no, I mean, where there's not really... There really is no good unless you compare him to someone else, you know, who's worse. You know, it's... You don't actually have a good character, but you have a better character than a lot of others. 
So it's more a relative thing. Sometimes it's called an anti-hero, sometimes just, you know, the least of the the worst. So. And I didn't mind the dream sequence. I didn't realize it was 12 minutes long, but I thought it was... We had a little bit of that in lieu of a main title sequence. Because they ran the credits over that, that slow walk of his into the to the balcony. Another, a lot of slow motion in this one. You know, it's like both of these things that we watched were, you know, very slow motion-y and stuff. Hmm. Well, that's uh, pay cable for you. Oh, this originally premiered at the Venice Film Festival. Outside the festival, but at the festival. Mm. And uh, its premiere was the highest rated premiere in Italy that uh, Sky, the network that it aired, ever had. And it outperformed uh, the first season or first episode of Game of Thrones. Wow. It, was, uh, it was a big deal. Ro- uh, Italians like their Catholic shit. Is what I'll say. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this was also the first Italian series to be nominated for a primetime Emmy Award. And after this season, which is ten episodes, there is a follow-up season called The New Pope that debuted in January of 2020, which stars Jude Law and John Malkovich. Ooh. I don't really know Interesting. anything about that. It was it the fact that it's called The New Pope. And not the Young Pope season two. It's like I don't know if that's a second season, essentially, or a remixed version, a is parallel show. Malkovich, the new pope, or is Jude Law the new pope? But it's like, what if everything was different and he was not a sociopath? I don't know. I don't know what the. It makes me kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because why John give Malkovich it a different title? Kind of a delightful actor, anyway. He's mm-hmm. like delightfully yeah. wacky. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, how many episodes did you say there were of this? This is ten episodes, and the new Pope is nine episodes. Okay. Everybody's wondering, who Sister Mary is to you? What she's doing here? What else? Everybody's also wondering, is the Pope thinking about his first homily? I ask myself the same thing all the time. Of course, I'm thinking about it. So all I think about, I even dreamed about it. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Ever since I was little, I've learned to confound people's ideas of what's going on in my head. You're so wise, Holy Father. Mm. Not only that, I'm also intransigent, irritable, vindictive. And I have a prodigious memory. And now I want to make my confession. Oh, fine. Let's go back downstairs. No. Here. Before the house of God. Oh. Okay. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. God, my conscience does not accuse me because you do not believe I am capable of repenting. And therefore, I do not believe in you. 
I don't believe you're capable of saving me from myself. Holy Father, what are you saying? I'm saying that I don't believe in God, Tommaso. What are you saying? Blessed Father. Tommaso, Tommaso. I was joking. Let's rate it. Oh. Uh, oh, by the way, you were talking about how people were like talking about the the new pope, the young pope. Sorry, mm-hmm. the, the young pope when it first came out. Like I remember when it first came out, people talking <laughs> about about how like they were like hoping it was going to be like a sexy pope. <laughs> I remember hearing about the hot pope and people legitimately thinking yeah. it was called the hot pope. <laughs> and yes. and people had a and, no. It, it's not called the hot pope. It's called the hot pope. <laughs> it's hot pope, the young pope. pope. He's just really warm. Yeah, <laughs> he's warm. That papal outfit is hot. Yeah, like actually I, hot. Like he's sweating inside of it. Yeah. Yahoo says think, yeah, the new know. pope trailer asks, "Is this our most jacked pope yet?" <laughs> uh, um. So, well, he's not 85 years old, so probably. Oh, that's the new pope. <laughs> Maybe what he's if they hotter had an in, the, in the new pope. What Maybe if they had an 85-year-old jacked pope, like he went to the gym every day? That would be amazing. Okay, go Matt. Anyway. Go Matt. You, have, you have a review, go Matt. Uh, yeah, I don't like this topic, this subject matter, and that, like, I care not for it at all. <laughs> uh, I did like the scene where he was like, uh, blowing everybody's minds with what with his speech, but it wasn't real. So, womp womp. Um, and then the rest of it, yeah, I just couldn't care less about all the the wheelings and dealings of the Vatican. Uh, I mean, to show how much I didn't care, I was in Rome and I had the chance to go to the Vatican. My whole family was going, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck all y'all. Yeah. I'm going to keep exploring these other ruins here. Uh, that would have been my preference. I went to the Vatican. I was not impressed. Yeah. Uh, uh, even and... the art museum wasn't that great? Nah. Even the, Sist- <laughs> even the Sistine Chapel and stuff wasn't nah. that great? Nah. Really? <laughs> I was way more interested in the ancient Roman stuff. That would have um, interested me, yes. But, yeah, so I'll give it... Uh, it was, but again, as most HBO shows, it was well made and well acted. So, yep. two out of ten. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> two, I like that. Two out of bold. Ten. Um, oh, uh, masturbating popes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Ooh. All right. Um, I guess I can go next. Well, you know how I feel about the Catholic Church. I also don't like it. Um, that being said, if I'm thinking about the show minus the Catholic Church, which is kind of really hard not to. Okay, some of the character moments were really entertaining, though. Like, I did really enjoy him, like, 
fucking with people. Matt, <laughs> come back to the microphone. I'm not close enough to the microphone? No, my, Matt is. He, I can hear him interjecting. I know, I'm just stretching my legs. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, get closer to the microphone, you ass. I've been sitting here for so long. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? You don't Catholic like the Catholic Church. church. <laughs> don't like the Catholic Church. That being said, I did enjoy the character moments. Um, yeah, he was just such an asshole to people, and that was really entertaining to watch. Um, and, yeah, but I, I don't know if I, it would be enough for me to keep watching it. Um, just, cause yeah, like, I'm not that interested in it either. Like, it's interesting, but it's not. Because I'm angry at it. <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so my personal feelings are getting in the way of this. So personal feelings. Uh, but the character moments were really good. So I will go a point above Matt. I'll give it a 3 out of 10. Jokes that you shouldn't laugh at but you do anyway, or maybe you laugh too much, or maybe too little. (laughs) And it's just not okay. You need to laugh just the right amount. What was up with that character? (laughs) What? That was the yellow guy. I don't know. I just didn't know why there was this character who had a laughing problem. Oh, the other guy? Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot to type into the spreadsheet, Mel. I just want to say... Back to that later. Now that I know that you're typing those in... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Make them even longer. Paragraph. <laughs> I don't care for organized religion or Catholicism either, but uh, I was somehow able to divorce that opinion from the show that I watched, mm-hmm. which is ironic because the Catholic Church doesn't approve of divorce. But I <laughs> like. I found it entertaining. I think I found it more entertaining the first episode than the second when I thought that, yeah, the Pope's being a dick, but when he's screwing with people, maybe these people deserve to be screwed with. Once I realize that maybe they don't, and he's really awful, in retrospect, perhaps it's less entertaining. But just watching this pilot, the way that he really did fuck with people was amusing. Maybe it shouldn't have been. I don't know. This was definitely a farce. It was not... I don't think this is any way really how the Vatican operates. I'd be surprised if it did. I'm sure it borrows some truth. But it felt so exaggerated and so ridiculous. And there were, like, the moleface, his fixation on the statue. It's it's such, it's like attempt at comedy. I don't know if it's funny, but I think it's trying to be. It was very unusual. I was not bored watching this because it was so bizarre. So all that to say, I'm going to give this 8.5 out of 10 men dressed like their old ladies at the beach. <laughs> you know, I would. I have to say, I probably would have rated it higher had I not been so angry. Filled with rage. I'm so filled with rage, guys. Oh, man. So filled with rage. So filled so, with rage. Yeah, but I would have rated it probably closer to your rating. So I, I guess I'm not sure there's any endorsement of the Catholic Church in any of this. I don't no, really know at this me. point. After watching two episodes, I'm not sure what side this is coming down on. 
Yeah. By proxy, I, it makes me think of the cat- Catholic Church, and it makes me rage, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, th- so I guess Catholics aren't young Earth creationists, then, because if they, if they believe that statue is 25,000 years old, one of them said said how mm-hmm. old it was. I'm like, he obviously doesn't believe the Earth is 6,000 years old. <laughs> they, that might be a, a mistake in the... Like, that they didn't catch... Really good point, though. Really good point. Mm. Carol. Right by me. Okay. Um, Matt, I I pretty much agree with most all of what you were saying. There's two Matts here. Um, huh? Oh, <laughs> There's two uh, Matts. Matt. Well, if I don't specify, then both of you will be happy, right? Right. It's yes. True. <laughs> there we Thank go. you for agreeing with me and not the other one. <laughs> Ha! <laughs> Matt um, is wrong about popes. <laughs> no, I do have to. I do have to um, to say which one because it's going to become real obvious real soon. Um, Matt A. Um, ha! <laughs> Whoa! So the, um I also didn't find it boring. I found it really confusing at times. But you know, like, where is this going to go? Which I would much rather be wondering where is this going to go than saying, oh, God, I can't believe where it's going to go. Um, I I think you might be right about the farce, the farcial aspect of it. I don't know if it's necessarily a farce. It might be more a satire. Um but it doesn't really have its legs, you know. It's it's like not it's not real clear. But it was definitely I definitely felt like it was batting for the fences. It was, and and I always have to give credit for that. Um, when an artist says, "Okay, this is going to either be great or fall on its face," and they go for it. Um, I got the feeling that that's really what this was, where they really, like, went for it. So I have to give them credit for that. But at the same time, I can't say I really liked it, per se. Um, you watched the second episode, though, so that must have, it, it I must did. have intrigued you enough to want to continue, right. which is something. Right. Yeah. No, I did. You're absolutely right. And that's why I say I wasn't bored, and I was intrigued. And I... I was curious as to where they were going to take this. Um, I probably, if we were in a different political climate right now, um, I would say, okay, I'll, I'll see some more of this. But quite honestly, it's like, I just, um, I just finally blocked the, the Trump donation numbers that have been coming in on my phone. For the last few months, where where I had to listen to this voice on my voicemail, you know, asking for money that, you know, we all had way too much of hearing for four years. Um, So I don't really want to watch the rest of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's it's good. It's it's I don't think it's I don't think it worked. But I think it had a certain amount going for it. 
I'm still going to give it a low score. I'm going to go with uh, 6 out of 10 kangaroos in an Italian garden. Whoa. The ratings all over the place. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's kind of a peek into a world that we haven't seen much of. Yeah. And I don't know how authentic any of it is. But, yeah, at least the new Pope didn't take place in New York again. Yeah, oh God. We're s- <laughs> Carol, we're sick of New York City. Please, no more. Hey, I'm not the one picking these. Moving to New York. <laughs> brick by brick, they moved it to New York. <laughs> by the way, um, when they were when they were sitting by the river, they were by the George Washington Bridge looking at New Jersey. Just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you know that uh, God lives in a duplex near the Big Dipper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm looking at our average rating right now, and yeah, this is this is in the bottom ten. <laughs> because of me. <laughs> and me. But would you like to know what programs we will be covering next time on Hooplecast? Yeah. Okay. We will be talking about the premiere of Westworld. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. I have seen that. I've got feelings about that show. Uh, But I do remember the pilot being really good. But yes. Uh, And then we'll also be watching the first episode of a limited run series that somehow got a second season it didn't need, which is Big Little Lies. I've heard that. But I don't know anything about. And that's a fun one for me because it was filmed in Monterey, which isn't that far from where I live. It's a day's drive. I've and I've been to uh, one of the locations where they huh. filmed that. There was even huh. a little plaque. Cool. That you were there? No. They put that a would be very odd. That'd be very <laughs> odd. But no, there was a there was a plaque saying yes, this is the coffee shop where Nicole Kidman, and Reese Witherspoon had. Uh, lunch or breakfast or whatever they did. And also Matt A visited. And also I was there. You put that plaque in yourself, didn't you? (laughs) I think we're going to enjoy these more than the last, uh, the ones we just talked about today, but remains to be seen. I've been to Monterey a couple times. It's a nice town. It is nice. It's also very um, well-to-do, which is a lot about what Big Little Lies is, it's about, you know, the class divide, the oh, the wealthy okay. people being uh, a bit untouchable in, in ways, looking down their noses at people. Anyway, uh, that's next time on Hooplecast. As always, you can find us at hooplecast.com, and you can go on Facebook and search for Hooplecast and join the discussion group and send us feedback, hooplecast at gmail.com. Would anybody like to take us out with our signature sign-off? Pretend you're you're right in the Pope's face. <clears throat> that sounds like Mel. And what would you, Mel? What would you like to tell the Pope? Fuck you! <laughs> Boy, that was the most authentic one I have heard yet. <laughs> oh, that felt good. We should we should definitely put uh, if someone wants to just go past all our all our religious discussion you know like oh you can fast forward to this point yeah maybe 
No, nah, you. But we're no, not just a TV review podcast. We're a get get yourself a cuppa and settle in on, on the couch <laughs> with uh, right. Matt Mel, right. Matt and Carol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 